Welcome to Couch Buddies. I'm Kia. I'm Michelle. And it's another one of our very special episodes. It's a special bonus episode. You're getting two episodes this week. (laughs) Aren't you special? So we decided that since it's International Women's Day, that we wanted to talk about some of our favorite female characters. We limited ourselves very specifically to television. Otherwise, we would be here recording for like 12 hours. And even now, we could be here recording for 12 hours. We very well could be. Because we were talking um, about, we, we said five each. Yes. And we both have like 15. Because Yeah. So, we're going to mention special, some honorable mentions too. But. Yes. So, um, starting off, I want to hear who, somebody you got on your list. On my list? Okay. Yeah. Well, the first person I have on my list, and this is partially because I've been watching this show lately, uh, but it's Margot Hansen from The Magicians, played by Summer Bichil, mm-hmm. I believe is how you say her name. Margot is... Okay, The Magicians, first of all, is based on a series of books by Lev, uh, Lev Grossman. The TV show is tonally almost entirely different from the books. <laughs> like, there, some of the same events kind of sort of happen, but it's very, very, very different. Mm-hmm. And normally I don't like that kind of thing, but... The show is so good. Like, I showed you a clip earlier of yeah. the way they use pop culture. And and it's kind of Harry Pot- adult Harry Potter meets adult Chronicles of Narnia. <laughs> right. Because you have, like, the six or seven main characters go to, go to a college for magic, essentially. Mm-hmm. The show does the thing that I think is smart and ages them up to its grad school. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the book, it's actual college. But so they are, like, like the main character is Quentin Coldwater. But the character of Margot... In the book, her name is Janet, and they change her to Margot. She kind of starts off seemingly as this really shallow party girl who's only interested in the next orgy she can get involved in. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's how she kind of seems at first. Uh, she's very, very jealous of her best friend, Elliot, and of anything Elliot does. Mm-hmm. Like, Elliot gets a boyfriend in the first season, and she winds up casting a spell to make him go and do uh, bad things with a doorknob. <laughs> Like just because okay. she, I don't I actually think she even did that. She made a she made a wish to a gin. Yeah, so it's just it's it's a great funny like like it's a really dark show, but it's it's also really funny in lots of ways. When I say it meets Chronicles of Narnia, is because after like while they're in school, they wind up in this land called Fillory, and in the main world where the the show is located, there are a set of books called Fillory and Further, written by a man named Christopher Plover. And they are Quentin, who's kind of the main character at mm-hmm. first. Uh, the, the, he's the main character at the beginning. They're kind of his favorite book series in the entire universe. Yeah. <laughs> like, to ever exist. They're, he reads them all the time, but they're very much children's books. Yeah. He finds out in the first season that Christopher Plover was a pedophile. Oh. Yeah. So, it, like, you see, it, it really takes the things you're thinking and flips them entirely from what you know. Yeah. Uh, Christopher Plover is also played by um, Charles Shaughnessy, which is so hard, <laughs> so hard on me. Okay, but yeah, so you have you have all that stuff happening, and they wind up winding up in Fillory, and they become the High Kings and Queens of Fillory. Mm-hmm. Which, if you've read Narnia, that's a thing in Narnia. But Elliot becomes the High King, and Margot immediately goes dibs on High Queen. Yeah, and, the, and that's kind of where the, the first season kind of ends there. And I'm skipping a lot to just kind of explain. But Margot is, I mean, how do I even, she is now, in this current season, the High King of Fillory, because in season three, some stuff happened, magic got taken away, uh, they got it brought back, but she, while that was all happening, she got deposed from her throne, she and all of the, 
the humans who had been on the thrones got deposed, and they ran an election, and Elliot was running to try to get his seat back as High King. And Margot was basically his like lead campaign person. She winds up winning, and so mm-hmm. she is now High King of Fillory. And she's like, it's about in time. Like, cause mm-hmm. she, th- this show swears all over the place. Um, like one of her favorite things to say, one of the things she says early on in the show and then later in the show, uh, she and Elliot are studying for a test and she tells him not to cock out on her. And he just, he goes cock out. And she goes, well, I'd say pussy, but we both know it's stronger. Don't we like that's yeah. And that's Margot. Like, <laughs> right. She says what she thinks, what she feels, what is the most, um, Oh man, outlandish thing to mm-hmm. say. Uh, but she's also a secret nerd because she loves the Fillory and further books. And she's one of the few people who can sit and talk to Quentin about them. And when they wind up in Fillory, she and Quentin have the most knowledge about them, mm-hmm. which is just insane. But she also cares about the people of Fillory and does her job. Like Elliot, I love him. He's one of my favorite characters on the show, but he doesn't always know what he's doing. And that's what yeah. Margot is there for. Margot winds up, I mean, she wasn't the king, but she might as well have been for a lot of the show. Uh, she she runs that place. Like, at one point, Penny, Penny is one of the other characters, he looks at her and goes, damn, she, you get shit done. And she's like, yeah, that I do. Yeah. Um, she is, I would say, sexually fluid. Like, she definitely has, she had a threesome with Quentin and Elliot at one point, but she also, and with that, she slept with other guys. She's also flirted with women for the run of the show. Mm-hmm. I really, the show is all very, like, very positive and, and like, sex positive and stuff. Mm-hmm. She gets called a virgin at one point. And she goes, who are you calling a virgin? Like, she gets yeah. offended <laughs> at this wedding ceremony that she's called a virgin. Like, it's, it's great. And she is just super strong. She, it, she's also, like, will do anything for Elliot and Quentin and any of her other friends. Like, she legitimately, in a recent episode, I'm about, I'll be about three episodes behind by the time this episode comes out. But she slept with a werewolf because werewolves werewolfism is an std in this world okay and they have this thing this is major spoiler for this season thing called the quickening one of her friends his name is josh he is a werewolf and the quickening has come upon him when the quickening happens you either have to pass on the werewolf virus by having sex with someone or you have to kill someone that is the only way to stop yourself from going insane and dying so they start. They try for the whole episode. It sounds weirdly like it follows. <laughs> anyway, they try the whole episode to cure him of where of being a werewolf. It's not. It, it doesn't happen. And so he's like locked himself in a cage because he keeps seeing himself killing Margot, like having yeah. dreams, and and he locks himself in a cage and he's like, just go, Margot. I I would rather die than kill someone or or rape someone. He goes, I would I would rather be dead mm-hmm. than do those things. So Margot grabs the key, opens the cage, walks in, locks herself in and throws the key out. And she goes, let's go. Mm-hmm. And he gets, and he's like, no, 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 no. What are you doing? This is horrible. She's like, I am not letting someone die when, when all it's going to take them just, them just to have sex. That's it. Yeah. Like, and he's like, but, but, and also he's also having these urges to do these things. So they wind up sleeping together and he's like, you, you didn't have to do that kind of thing. Like and she's like, I'm not letting, it's, it's a stupid reason for someone to die. Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm not doing it. It's not happening. Period. Yeah. And that's who Margot is. Like, she's like, we'll deal with what happens with me. What happens to me later? Like she may get it. She may not get it. Mm-hmm. She'll deal with it as it comes. Cause she's Margot and she doesn't take crap. Like it, I, I know I've talked a lot about her, but yeah, she's just, I love her so much. Uh, there's actually, she's also like their best tactician. Mm-hmm. When they need someone to make a plan, you go to Margot. 
and, and she just doesn't and right now there's a thing going on the show where Elliot is uh, possessed by a monster she literally helped the monster murder Bacchus the god Bacchus because she wants her friend back like she, she she's really great when it comes to that kind of stuff like she will do what it takes to help her friends mm-hmm. period like there's no nothing else to that yeah like, there's because Josh gets really upset with her because he's friends with Bacchus so yeah, I mean, it's just like, and the, the the show itself is just so deep and layered. And there are two other, fe- no, three other female characters that are phenomenal, and mm-hmm. I could talk about. But Margot is head bitch in charge, and I love her. Like, right. I love her for it. I want to roll a D and D character and play her because I'll never be her in my real life. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so who is someone on your list? <laughs> This actually kind of segues perfectly because you mentioned like roll a D and D character so you can play someone like her. Mm-hmm. Um, my character is someone who I know you haven't played them yet, but you have a D and D character based on them, and it is Rosa Diaz from <laughs> from Brooklyn Nine Nine. I put her on and changed my mind. <laughs> I love Rosa. Like, oh. It. I will admit that show just got renewed. By the way, yay! Yes. Uh, like, admittedly, Brooklyn Nine-Nine was a show that I, like, I had seen the gifts all over Tumblr, mm-hmm. and I'd been hearing all these wonderful things about it. I'm just very, I th- I think, I'm realizing this about myself. I'm, like, I'm picky when it comes to my sitcoms. Mm-hmm. And so, I, like, I was never really a big fan of, like... I didn't really watch a ton of him on, on SNL, but like, I was not like the hugest fan of Andy Samberg. Like I like some of like the lonely Island stuff, but (laughs) well, who doesn't, but, but it was, it was partially a problem of like, I was just, I was oversaturated with it. That's fair. And, and I just kept thinking like, I, I don't care how good it is. I'm just so sick and tired of hearing about it. And then last year I just kind of decided like, okay, you know what? Like it's all on Hulu. I'm going to give it a go. And, and I started watching it, and it took me probably, like, six or seven episodes, like, through season one to really, like, quote-unquote, like, get it. Like, like it moves so quickly, mm-hmm. and, and so sometimes, like, you don't get a chance to breathe, and, like, I just wasn't in a headspace, like, for my brain to kind of, like, keep up with that. Mm-hmm. And so it took me a little bit, but like once I start, once I like, once I finally got it and like realized, like, okay, this is this. There's something special here. Mm -hmm. Like Rosa Diaz very quickly became like one of my favorite characters on that show. Like I love everybody, like to a certain degree, but Rosa. Like, and it was, it came down, like, it was, like, splitting hairs trying to decide if it was, if it was going to be Rosa or if it was going to be Amy Santiago. I love Amy, too. But yeah. I thought about it, I was like, Jake and Amy are on our OTP list to talk sure. about sometimes. Mm-hmm. It was like, I will save my praise of Amy Santiago for another day. Mm-hmm. But, like, Rosa, oh my god, she... <laughs> I it's not for me like even like just to describe like why I love Rosa, but like mainly the reason is she's terrified. Yes. And that is the reason that I love yes. her. She's amazing. She like, Stephanie Beatrice does such a good oh, job. Oh yeah. And and I've only seen Stephanie like play that and but seeing her recently do an episode mm-hmm. of uh, of One Day at a Time, like just showed me like, oh man. 
Like she's she's phenomenal. Well, and when you go back to those first episodes of Brooklyn Nine Nine, she's her voice is different. Like, yeah, her voice she is has, different. Yeah, she has consciously lowered her voice through the course of the show to yeah. make herself more intimidating, and she is it's worked. Yeah, <laughs> Rosa's like the most intimidating character on that show, <laughs> and they have Terry Crews, and Rosa is the most oh, intimidating yeah. character on that show. Like I love that. Like she, you know, she pulls like you know, like like Amy telling her is like, oh, are you ready to go on a mission? And she's like, oh yeah, sure. and like starts strapping on like. Like, 16 knives and, mm-hmm. like, you know, like, various guns. Like, I'm waiting for her to pull a hand grenade out at some point. And she's like, okay, let's go. And he was like, to the requisitions office or, like, whatever yeah. it is. And it's she's like, oh, so it's super lame. And the thing... I don't know what it... Like, there is something of... like, And it's something that, like, they explore over seasons. That Rosa is... Like, Rosa is, like, she's... Like... There's, so there's something super sharp and like very prickly about her and she keeps everything so hidden mm-hmm. that like even like the people like these people who are like her best friends like hardly know anything about her <laughs> point, Jake doesn't know where she lives <laughs> like, <laughs> she won't tell Jake where she lives I know it's like well yeah and even like when she starts dating pimento yeah um and he doesn't have like he he's like sleeping in the break room because like he doesn't have any place to go and gina says to him like well like you're dating rosa why don't you go sleep with her or like why don't you go stay at her place it's like oh we're doing this really sexy thing right now where we don't tell each other where we live yep <laughs> and like yep like you know her like her riding a like she rides a motorcycle and just everything about her is just so badass but like occasionally like you scratch layers to her and like nancy myers is her favorite director and she was a ballerina she, she was a ballerina she was a gymnast yeah um like like she like went to like medical school like yeah like, she was got a, this like incredible past oh we're yeah never gonna know. that we're never going to know anything about and and like apparently she has sisters or like a sister and I think so yeah and so like it's and like I just kind of I love the relationship that she has like with Captain Holt mm-hmm. because like I can't remember like Holt tells Jake to do something and Jake's like oh so like if everybody was to jump off a bridge like you'd say that and he's like is like well yeah like if Diaz did it like it's like he like, has to do something Diaz wants yeah, to, yeah like yeah it's like oh yeah do this he's like well Rosa said so so do it she's like well like if Rosa like what should I do it it's like well yeah like if if Rosa Diaz if like, Diaz said it, it, do like, it. it's like then you know she she would have calculated this like yep. she would have taken this under assessment and like yes absolutely like provided that Diaz does it first <laughs> and but I I love like despite the fact that she comes off as like somebody who has is like as impenetrable as stone that like the glimpses that we get and like, and she cares about her friends. Like she does anything for them and like, they are her family and, and everybody takes care of one another. And, and I love that it's very unexpected, but you know, like once she kind of like opens up and like starts talking to people about Mm -hmm. things like, like, like she, like, like, Charles is her number one wingman, and I love yep. it. And which, oh my god, Boyle definitely took some time for me, like well, for me to get used to. And it went from in the first episode, he has a creepy crush on her. Yes, and that, then he, get, but he gets over that. Like, and and it's just it's so good to see characters developed in a way that is healthy. Yes, I and love it. The and the thing, like the thing about it. Is that like her like and because like the actress Stephanie Beatrice is bi. The mm-hmm. fact that they like took the character of Rosa and made her bi mm-hmm. 
is like it's so amazing to me like mm-hmm. because that is the thing like we're now like we are now starting to see like more and more like like gay characters mm-hmm. like some lesbian characters we need some work done on like having trans characters and trans actors but like like by erasure is definitely a thing that exists. And so to be able to see a bisexual actress playing a bisexual mm-hmm. character and even like a bisexual character of color mm-hmm. is like, is huge. And like, it's like, it feels fairly groundbreaking for television, especially for sitcoms. Yeah. And like, and especially where it can be played off as a laugh and it's yeah. like, you know, it can be played off for jokes and it isn't really mm-hmm. like Rosa comes out to her parents and, like there, there, there's some funny stuff to that episode, but like it's real, and yeah. that that's a thing that Brooklyn Nine Nine is very well. In a recent episode, they actually brought up that Rosa hadn't spoken to her mother yeah. since then, because yeah, by, she she has now, yeah, but, but at, yeah. yeah, at the at the end of the episode, you know, she finally like you know she realizes like oh I don't want to you know go this long without like yeah. talking to my mom, and so like she um, yeah, it's and, like really hysterical bottle episode basically <laughs> that winds up having this like heart-to-heart thing for Rosa by the end. Yeah. Like I the, love Rosa. Yeah, the, because, oh my god, like, getting Danny Dreho to play her dad yeah. was, like, a stroke of brilliance. Yeah. Like, it's absolutely perfect that Danny Trejo would play well, her father. Well, we're gonna have Lin-Manuel Miranda as one of Amy's brothers. One, oh, yeah. Because Amy was raised with four brothers, which, we're gonna talk about Amy another time. But, yeah, Diaz is... I just love Diaz. Ugh, oh, love yeah, her. and it's just... Her entire relationship with Memento, it both, like, skeeves me out and makes me it's, laugh. It's so. the grossest thing that's made me laugh. Yeah. <laughs> it is one of the grossest things that makes me laugh. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. And just, like I said, she is just this absolute, like, badass woman. And I just, I could not love her more. And there there's something about the dynamic that she brings to, like, the squad mm-hmm. that... Well, and, and that's something Brooklyn Nine-Nine, to me, does really well. And, and I'm going to bring up other shows that do it, I think, as we mm-hmm. go. But it's not just one version of woman. Yeah. You have Gina, Rosa, and Amy mm-hmm. are the three main women. And they are all so different. And yet, they're close. Yeah. And, and I, love, somebody- I love so much that they don't really bring tear each other down most of the time. Like, like there are specific episodes where it happens for well, a reason. And, and Gina... Picks on Amy all the well, time. That's Gina. She picks on everybody. Yeah, everybody but Jake. <laughs> Pretty, no, she 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 gives, picks on Jake too. She picks on Jake for maybe reason. everybody but Holt. <laughs> she doesn't really pick on Holt. Eh, she has where he notices. <laughs> True, but uh, but yeah, they're they're all very like three very distinctive women. Mm-hmm. I think that's really and, cool. Oh yeah. yeah, absolutely. And I um. Like something that something that I I saw pointed out on Tumblr recently was that like once once Jake and Amy started dating like they never pulled a thing that like most sitcoms would do of like Amy suddenly being jealous of Jake's friendships with Rosa and Gina yeah. and like it's like the only time that anybody like really gets jealous is like Jake gets jealous when um the uh, the crossword puzzle writer. Yeah, which which was actually played by Melissa Fumero's husband. Yeah, which so um, so that makes sense. Why? Right. Of course, you'd play Jake as jealous there. Right, and it's and like and it's just because he starts thinking like, oh, this guy is brilliant. Like you guys have so much in common. Like I'm too dumb for you. Yeah, yeah. basically is how it's played off, and 
it's like and the thing like the thing about like diaz and pimento it's like they are both like such a level of weird that it like intense like intense scary weirdness yeah yeah and and that's why like it works like they are evenly matched but you know once like she realizes like i i don't want to be with him anymore and you know like and she tells him and then like okay things are fine and and they they let it go yeah and you know, and then later you find out like like the person that she's dating now is a woman, and and she keeps it quiet because like she's embarrassed. But you know, she finally tells Charles, and then the, you know the next episode comes out to the squad room, and and everybody's just so accepting, and she's like basically like, "Wow, you guys are way cooler with her than I expected." But Charles tries to set her up with everybody he knows. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> And then finally, just I I love at the end of that episode, like Gina shows up and she's like, you know, in another lifetime, we would have made a hot ass couple. Agreed. <laughs> yep. But anyway, yeah, oh, so good. <laughs> yeah, I like um I could talk a lot about Rosa Diaz, but it would mostly just come down to like me quoting the show. So, uh, who's next on your list? Okay, well I this this one is not controversial between us, but it's someone that gets no love in the universe they are from. Uh, they well, not no love. Let me rephrase that. There are some amazing people out there who really love this this character. Um, there are a lot of guys who don't. We'll put it that way. Uh, Donna Noble from Doctor Who. Okay, not where I thought that was going, oh. but well, Cass- it was just the, about Kathy it, Kate. it was the way that you said not really loved in the universe that she's in, and so I thought Felicity Smoke. That's that is it's, another so really good like, one who I love. Uh, I did not go with her for this particular list. She's an honorary mention on mine, yeah. but I didn't. Uh, I didn't put her in my top but I five. Went, I went with Donna because Donna is probably of all of the companions. I and I am current with Doctor Who. I've seen everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have not seen the original stuff, which I've talked about before. But everything from nine on, I've seen. Mm-hmm. And Donna Noble is the character that I think I am most like in some ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm less yelly, <laughs> and that's usually the reason people don't like her. Is they consider yeah. her too too mouthy. And too much. Which, for insecure men, sure, she'd be well, emasculating. But, but she's also she an is. insecure woman, and that's why yeah. she is the way she is. And the longer she's with the doctor, the less, like, I'm going to scream in your face to make myself heard yeah. she is, and the more normal she is in a lot of ways. Um, Donna, you meet her in season, oh man, season three, the Christmas special. Yeah. The, which is the first episode of the season. Uh, and she, at that point, is getting married to someone, and he winds up, it didn't really want to marry her, he was using her to feed her to a giant spider. But Donna handles this, I mean, yeah, she's not happy about it. Right. But overall, she can't hand- imagine anybody would be. Overall, she handles it, I mean, she's a little, up- she's, she's upset and everything, mm-hmm. but she handles it. Yeah. And like she's able to stop the doctor when he needs to be stopped. And she's one of the first people in the, in the series, the first three series to look at him and go, sometimes you need someone to stop you. Yeah. Because we'll get into our issues with other characters on the show. But to me, Rose was not that character. Rose was going to push and push and push and push. Donna is the character who goes, no, it's time to stop. Like she eventually joins him in season four. And she literally looks at him and says, at one point, I don't know what kind of kid you've been riding around with, but this is not right. no, okay. And he's like, well, Time Lord Doctor, no, uh, yes. And she's like, Donna Human, Donna Noble Human, no. Like, just because you're a Time Lord doesn't mean you get to make yeah. all of the decisions. And yet, 
when the time comes, this is in the same episode, uh, it's on the Fires of Pompeii, which is the second episode of season four, she helps him blow up Pompeii because it has to be done. Mm-hmm. And she she is willing to take the responsibility with him. But she also appeals to his better nature and they rescue Peter Capaldi. <laughs> 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 they rescue that that family. Yeah. And and it's it's this like and he looks at her at the end of that episode and he tells her she's right. He does need someone. Mm-hmm. And I just, for me, that that fact that that relationship is just friendship, and I could ship them because I love David and Catherine. My favorite thing I've ever seen them do is the Much Ado About Nothing, where they play Beatrice and Benedict. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. But and David and Catherine have this bantery chemistry, yeah. That I think um, later on the show has with like Clara and Eleven. Agreed. When they when they first meet, but like the the Doctor and Donna just have this like like misunderstanding humor like it's mm-hmm. hilarious because like the two mate in the first episode like, the first episode she joins him in the TARDIS yeah he's like I just want to mate <gasps> you just want to mate not mate with me sunshine but at the same time and then he, he completely there, it up yeah and, there's something very I'm trying to think of the way to describe it it's not this is the wrong word but like you'll understand what I mean it's like there's almost something um a little bit like the like a nineteen forties like farce. Yes, yes. To like you know the, like those old like the old kind of those old like bantery comedies. Yeah, of, which of, I love. <laughs> yeah, like of you know of the there like not this is not a one to one ratio kind of description, but when I think of of the of the episodes that Don is in, there's very much a. Um, Mark's brother's tempo to the episode. That's fair. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and then but then she goes from those like hysterical highs to like because like she's she does some funny stuff, and then like the Pompeii one, you have that serious moment. The library episodes. Oh yeah, because like in the episodes, uh, Silence in the Library and Forest of the Dead, uh, we meet River Song, who almost made this list. It was <laughs> it was a close close yeah. call. Uh, but we meet River Song, but Donna. In, in the doctor's knowledge dies. Mm-hmm. She gets saved to oh, a hard drive has been saved. And she lives this life where she has two children who she adores. Mm-hmm. She has a husband who's great and she is living this life and getting to be happy and only to be told by a ghost in the machine, essentially mm-hmm. that she isn't. Yeah. That, that none of this is real. Her children, she's, my children are real. Of course they're real. I gave birth to them. You know, they're mine. And She's like, no, and and the doctor is also going through some really like traumatic stuff in that episode with, with River and everything. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the episode, my one of my favorite lines in the episode, uh, she comes up to him and says, How about you? Are you alright? And he's like, Oh, I'm always alright. She's like, Is time is alright, Time Lord for really not alright at all? Or special Time Lord code for mm-hmm. not really alright at all. And he's like, Why? And she goes, Because I'm alright too. Yeah. And because she's lost, unbeknownst to her, it's a real person, which is yeah. sad, like, oh, Lee. the tragedy of Donna Noble. Yeah, Lee is, like, right there. And the the most tragic thing is that Lee has a stutter, and he can't get her name out before, like, he's teleported yeah. away. And But they console each other in that episode. Mm-hmm. And, and then in Midnight, when he gets off the train, she pulls him into her arms in one of the best hugs ever. Mm-hmm. Like, she just holds him. When, when Jenny, when everything happens in the doctor's daughter with Jenny, mm-hmm. she's there for him. And, like, 
most of the time the show doesn't go that route where it's the doctor being affected. Yeah. And, and I think for me, that's always been a detriment to some of the later seasons is you don't see the doctor's feelings until he's alone. You don't really have a companion that comforts him. That, yeah, now that you've brought that up. I didn't even think about it until I'm talking about it right now. Well, but. it's, yeah, to, I, let me say it like before, because I'm absolutely going to forget this. But like, it definitely, like now that you've mentioned that, it definitely feels that by the time we've gotten to 11, by the time we've gotten to the 11th Doctor, that, um, well, and even, I think like they say it in the, in like in the 50th episode, you know, like, about Eleven not remembering, you know, like, mm-hmm. the time war and all of these things. And so it's, like, by the time we've gotten to Eleven, like, and then with Twelve to some extent, it's, like, the Doctor has forgotten, like, he's forgotten, like, the companions who mean something to him mm-hmm. and, like, that he needs them. Yeah, definitely forgotten that he needs them part, I think. Yes. With, uh, with Eleven especially. There's some stuff with Twelve... In twelve, the last season with Peter Capaldi, I the, just I love like him and Bill are so great. Which I will admit I haven't seen. Um, but and that's... but he doesn't have a companion for all that time except for Nardal. Yeah, which Nardal is there because River told him to be. Yes, and like that for me is always super because I love River Song and and that's something I'm going to talk about at length at some point. Mm-hmm. But Donna. Then gets, after all of this, becoming the Doctor's best friend. And I think Amy and Eleven are best friends, too. Mm-hmm. I think it's different. I think when you've known someone as a child, mm-hmm. it's very difficult to allow them to They're, console you. I'm I'm going to, like, ruin something that, uh, because we have Amy and Rory on our list. And, uh, on our OTP list. Mm-hmm. And I, I have a song for them picked out, like, for forever. And now all of a sudden I'm absolutely forgetting the title of the song, but it's a song by Boyce Avenue. Mm-hmm. And, um, and there's a line in it that says the fairy tale inside your head has become your new best friend. And that's exactly to me, like the relationship, because it, like with Amy, literally like we have, like everybody thinks that like the doctor is just this imaginary friend that she made up. <laughs> yeah. And like, they send her to like child psychologists yeah. and all this kind of crap because she won't stop talking about him. And then he does end up becoming her best friend. Yeah. And that like the pawns and Clara always felt more like accessories to me than companions. And there are moments I think where Amy and he had this, like, almost have the Donna-Doctor mm-hmm. relationship. But the Doctor-Donna is so unique in that they, other than what happens to her at the very end, and the Which stuff in the library, off. and the stuff in the library, Donna is not typically the one that needs taken care of. No. The Doctor is. She typically takes care of him. And that, I think, for me, is the huge difference between anything that comes after anything that came before. Mm-hmm. Is... Donna, and I, I think part of it is because of her age. I, I yes, 100% absolutely she agree. Is technically, I think, the oldest companion, not counting the new season. But then again, my favorite companion with the new stuff, you haven't seen the new stuff with, with, mm-hmm. uh, with 13 yet. But is Bradley the, Walsh is, is Bradley Walsh is the old, the old dude. Mm-hmm. Because he says what I'm thinking. But <laughs> Donna, Donna is like this insecure woman who has to yell to be heard until the doctor hears her Mm -hmm. and shows her other ways to, to be heard and to be seen and shows her she's not stupid. Like her mother has told her Mm -hmm. and 
oh man, it just gets me. And so like when, when my brother-in-law looks at me and tells me how much he hates Donna Noble, it, I want to scream at him because he doesn't get it. No. Like he just doesn't get it. And like Donna at the end of her story, what happens to her, for those of you who don't know, uh, and to spoil it a little bit, she winds up getting the best gift and the worst gift at the same time. Mm-hmm. She sort of combines with some of the doctor, and you get an extra doctor and a, and a Donna that has the knowledge of the doctor. Yeah. So a human mind can't con- – and so she gets to save the day. She is the hero of Journey's End. Mm-hmm. She absolutely she, is. She stops Davros. She – all this stuff. She is the hero of the story. The Doctor's Donna's song will be sung forever, mm-hmm. according to the Ood. And then her brain is burning up. So she begs the doctor to let her go. Mm-hmm. Essentially, just, just, just. I don't want to go back to what I was. I don't want to go back to who I was. But the doctor cared about her with who she was at the beginning. Yep. And so, in my opinion, it's a bit selfish. I understand where he's coming from when he does it. Agreed. But he erases her mind back to the beginning, mm-hmm. to, before she met him. Which, I will say, they for me, they actually... Stephen Moffat does a really good thing in toward the end of Clara... Mm-hmm. Uh, because you finished all of Clara, right? The yeah, that was the last season okay. that I saw. So he tries to do the same thing with Clara. Mm-hmm. Only Clara catches him at it, and or, she doesn't even really know what he's trying to do. Yeah, but she reverses it, and so he winds up getting the the brain wipe. Yeah, but then, and to me, because you haven't seen the season, this is the truly like brilliant thing. The first episode with Bill, mm-hmm. he he made a deal with. With people that he would stay and guard this vault, which you find out later contains a person. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm familiar. So so he made a deal he would guard this vault, right? So he needs to erase from Bill the, the adventure they just had. Because yeah. he doesn't want her coming around all the time and, and wanting to go on adventures, essentially. But Bill is sci-fi savvy. <laughs> which is my favorite thing about Bill, is she knows her science fiction. So he reaches for her head, and she goes, no, you're not erasing my memory. Like, yeah. she knows immediately. So I love that he gets called on that now. Mm-hmm. Be- because what he does to Donna, it... It's a death in, in oh, a lot ab- of ways. It absolutely is. I mean, I will say that I think some of it stuck with her because we do get that in the end of time that she still has like little tendrils of, of, of stuff and she's made more of herself. Because uh, end of time, she buys the book because she recognizes right. that Naismith is a thing. And, and like, so she, she has these little tendrils of, of things and she's definitely not ordinary anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't think she ever was. She, she never, and neither, neither that, the doctor. That's the secret is that she never was and, ordinary. And that's what the doctor tries to get across to her family at the end is mm-hmm. that she doesn't need him to be special. She already was. Yeah. And so like from that perspective, I enjoy the story, but she begged to die. Yeah. And I feel like that is super uncool. But at the same time, Donna is the most kind, compassionate person combined with the insecurities that she has. I mean, she gets to become the most important woman in the universe for a brief moment in time. Yeah. And that is just like, I just love her. And man, her, just everything about her is, is stuff that I either resonate with or want to emulate. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. And that's, yeah. that's why I choose Donna for one of my favorite television females. <clears throat> I was going to save this for, <laughs> She was going to be my my last one, but since you've brought up Donna, I will talk about Martha Jones. No lie, I told my husband you were going to totally talk about Martha when I was writing the list. I was like, I'll do Donna, she'll do Martha, it'll be great. Duh. Yeah. 
Anybody who is... <laughs> and Josh just walked in here and vehemently nodded. Yep. <laughs> Thank you for the color commentary. This is going to sound really weird in that Martha is... Like, she... When we meet her, she is training to be a doctor. She she is a woman of color. Mm-hmm. You know, she live. You know, she has a. You know, she's an upper like middle class family. On paper, like there's nothing. Like there's nothing similar <laughs> between me and Martha Jones, but she is the character with whom I identified the most. And it's a lot of it comes down to. It's like what she tells the doctor when she leaves the TARDIS, which is, I spent a lot of time with you thinking thinking I was second best, but you know what? I am good. And Darn right she is. And like, and that, like, that in, like, one word or, like, in, in one sentence is a thing that, like, I have struggled with a lot in my life. Of, like, always feeling like I'm not important to the people either that are important to me or, you know, or the people who... Like, at times, you know, like, I should have been important to. And, and, like, when we meet her, she is, like, she is the glue that holds her family together. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, and that's a thing that, like, because I've mentioned this on the podcast before. My dad, you know, my dad was mentally ill. My dad was bipolar. And I grew up... Like I grew up like where the floor was eggshells because I had to know in a split, like I had to gauge in a split second, what kind of mood my dad was in so that I could mentally and emotionally prepare and, and like be able to cater to, to like whatever kind of mood he was in. And that's the very first introduction we get of Martha is that she is having to do this dance to, to manage the moods and the whims of her family. Mm-hmm. And that hit me so like I don't know like I I can't put it into words but there is like something so like deeply profound about the character of Martha Jones that I like I get I get emotional over Martha Jones and like my like I say it on Tumblr all the time like you know I I live a Martha Jones appreciation life um, I have you know I I live a Martha Jones appreciation life I will like declare my love for Martha Jones until there is no more breath in my body. And I like, I have, this is no joke while using dating apps and people who always say that they like Martha Jones or sorry, people who always like say that they like Dr. Who. And I ask them their favorite companion. And when I say I like Martha Jones, I gauge their reaction. And if it is negative, Swipe left, my dude. Like, I will have nothing to do with you. Because the things about Martha Jones, she is, like, you, like you, what you said about, about Donna being, you know, specifically hated by, you know, especially like. And, and Martha like, is too. Especially absolutely. by men. Martha is hated for so many reasons. Mm-hmm. And then, like. There are two of them that kind of go in tandem, and that one is that she's black, and two, that she isn't Rose Tyler. Yeah, that is the the negative on Rose, and I think Donna, t- or on Martha and Donna, too, mm-hmm. is they aren't Rose Tyler. Is it, everyone expects, everyone wants a Rose Tyler, and but this, if you, all you have is Rose Tyler's, that's real boring, guys. True, and this, this has nothing to do with Billy Piper. Oh, uh-uh. I 
love that woman. Mm-hmm. Like, she is great. Like, her version of Anfield Park. <laughs> like, it has some moments I don't necessarily care for, but yeah. she is great. Like, I, she is great in it. Um, the, um... Secret but, Diaries of a Car- yeah, Call Girl. Secret Diaries of a Call Girl. I love that show with all of my heart. And um, her on Penny Dreadful, she is terrifying. Like, legitimately, like, bone-rattling, like, terrifying on that show. And I think she is absolutely incredible. I loathe the character of Rose Tyler. You know. And, so like, I know, like, I'm in the minority mm-hmm. here. And... And it's because, and it goes to like what, kind of like what we were talking about before, about how you said, you know, like Donna is the one to step in and tell him he needs to stop. Rose, in some ways, feels like a spoiled child who was like, I want more, I want more, I want more, I want more. Mm -hmm. And so she keeps pushing the doctor to do things. And to me, it never, like, I never get the feeling that, like, she learns a lesson or that she's affected by anything. It's like she, it's like she's in love for what he can give her. Yeah, that's fair. You I know, hadn't quite thought about it that way, but yeah, that's like fair. I, it's it, for lack of like this. Is good, this is so reductive and so ridiculous when I say this. So like, take this how I mean and not how I'm going to say it. It almost feels like he's a sugar daddy. <laughs> yeah, I can and see. Like yeah. she is just after you know the 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 penthouse and the fancy. She's car. after the stardust. Yeah, absolutely. Like. It's and like yeah and like that's that's specifically why I do not like. I do not like the, um, because like Christopher Eccleston has said like of season one, you know, that it's a love story. And to me it like, and I will agree with that to a certain extent mm-hmm. of like, it's about, I think it's about the doctor coming from a place where like he feels like he's able to express love again. And like, and that he's able to find love, like not just with her, because like we also have Jack. Yep. And you know, like there are other people in this TARDIS besides just Rose and mm-hmm. they get glossed over like to the detriment of their character for the elevation of Rose Tyler. Cuz Jack's amazing. Absolutely. And and so like I think it's a like season it's about the doctor being able to love again and then by the time we get to the 10th doctor it feels like that that they're making it out to be like they're in love. And I hate that because there's something to like this it's why I'm more okay with the Doctor and River than I am, like, with the Doctor being paired with any of his companions. Because it goes to it goes to a, a line from, um, from the David Eddings book. Um, uh, it's, oh my, it's in the Belgarian series, I believe, based on the book. Where you have a sorceress who is 3,000 years old. She is in love with a human man. Mm-hmm. And he is in love with her. And the gods ask her... Like, would you limit your power to that such as him? Because no marriage can survive that level of inequality. Mm-hmm. And she says, yes, I would gladly. And she thinks that means that she has to give up her power if she wants to, if she wants to marry this man that mm-hmm. she loves. But no, the gods gave him power equal to hers. Yeah. And that is how I feel about the doctor. With- oh my gosh. I'm so hoping you remember that when we talk about the doctor and river someday. Yes. And like, that is, that is why I hate the idea of the doctor and any of his companions That's fair, because yeah. for the most part, all of his companions are human. Mm-hmm. Like in a, in the blink of an eye, like 
like they're going to be gone. They're like no relationship can survive that level of inequality. And, and that like, that's why I hate the doctor being shipped with, with his companions and specifically Rose Tyler. And because everybody's like, Oh my God, they got to love the last forever. No, they fucking don't. But anyway, <laughs> cause she going to die. She going to die. Well, she and duplicate will be fine. I'm fine with duplicate. Duplicate's human. So she's yes. fine. Um, handy. Handy. Yep. I think that's the fandom name for him. Yeah, I think everybody just, like, ends up calling him Andy, short, like, yeah. yeah. Um, but, so all of this about Rose Tyler, to say, like, all this about Rose Tyler and, like, the doctor and the relationships is that, so, the flaw that Martha has is that she's in love with the doctor. Who wouldn't be? Like, after, what the way he, the way they meet, how can you not be, at the very least charmed and yes. on your way to falling absolutely and then he takes you to see shakespeare i mean come on i'm done yeah. <laughs> like i can't get a regular human being interested in like to be interested in shakespeare like the guy that i just went on a date with i like i picked up bard's uh bard's spence profanity and like and he mentioned like something shakespeare and i wanted to say marry me <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> like so the fact that like you have like a time traveler who takes you to see Shakespeare. Yeah. Like of course like the things about more like she like to me like the entire like season 3 of, of of New Who season 3 is my absolute favorite because to me season 3 has the most interesting episodes character wise specifically for the 10th doctor. Mm-hmm. Like the family of blood. Yes. Um and you know, like like the Shakespeare Code, and and even like people shit on them, but like the Daleks in Manhattan episodes, they're good. They're good for character wise. Yes, yes, they're good character development. Yeah. And like even the um, like gridlock is is fucking stupid. It's giant space crabs. Like, but the whole mythology, right? Like, um, and even um, forty two. Forty two is good. Yeah. Like, and everybody, like the thing that I see online so much. Is like you know Martha. Martha was worthless. Martha did nothing. Um, you know Martha, like she had the temerity to not be Rose Tyler, and like how dare she love him? Like how how dare she love the Doctor when, like when um, you know he's obviously in love with somebody else, and the fact that like Martha is you know she's studying to be a doctor. She the first time um, you know that she like that she and the doctor meet he's checked himself into the hospital because he knows shenanigans are about to happen. He's checked himself into the hospital where she works. And when she, <clears throat> when she's doing rounds with, when she's doing rounds with the surgeon and he, you know, she goes to examine the doctor and realizes that he has two hearts and she doesn't say anything because she's curious. Like, and he winks at her, you know, and then like all hell breaks loose. And so you know, then like she proves herself by being smart and, and she does all of these things that, and like, this, again, getting personal goes back to the reason why Martha is my absolute favorite character is that she does so much and literally saves the world single-handedly mm-hmm. and it's never good enough. Yeah. And like, that is how I feel sometimes of like, I do like all of the things that I do, I'm never good enough at the end of it. And there, I don't like, I can't, I don't know what it is, but like, 
you know, she, she saves the doctor four times. She say like, she saves the doctor more than any of his other companions. Absolutely. Um, the, the fact that once she, once she's off Doctor Who, like she comes back mm-hmm. and you know, she comes back in season four and we see her and Donna together and they are <laughs> glorious. We could have done some, just, just Donna. And Absolutely. Her and yeah, like great. they, um, you know, she, like, she's really, like, she's really, like, a physician to me. And that, like, she wants to, like, to not do harm. Like, she mm-hmm. wants, like, her first instinct is to heal and to help people. Mm-hmm. And and so the fact that because of what the doctor does to her, that she ends up becoming a soldier at the end of it is, to me, it's, it's tragic to me in so many ways. Mm-hmm. But, but at the same time, she... But, uh, you know, like, but she still does everything. Like she, she's trying to work, work the system from the inside and still do better. Mm -hmm. And, and like the fact that it like in journey's end, she is the woman who is given the codes to literally destroy the earth. Yep. She's got a third of them. Like, yeah. Like the fact that like it comes like that the decision is on her shoulders. Yep. Like the fact the thing, like the thing about Martha, that that has gotten into like the marrow of my bones and why she is one of my favorite characters of all time, is the fact that finally, like when the chips are down and like she, like I said, she literally saves the world on her own. She walks the world for a year, mm-hmm. and. She, like, she tells the master, you know, like, like, I told a story. No weapons, just words. Like, she didn't raise an army. Like, she didn't, you know, all of, you know, she didn't raise an army. Like, she wasn't after, like, you know, some magical MacGuffin. Nothing like, like, we we think that's what she's after, but she's not. And the fact, and that's why this is going to sound like such a random tangent. That is why the movie, the last Jedi actually means something to me. Mm-hmm. That moment when Rose Tico, when she shows the, uh, the rebel emblem to mm-hmm. that little boy and we see him with his friends later playing, uh, playing rebels. Like the first thing that popped into my head, like I heard the voice of Martha Jones in my head was I told a story mm-hmm. and that, and like, it speaks to me of like, why, with, like whether it's television, whether it's movies, it's books, it's like it's sitting next to your friend and talking. Words and stories have the power to change the world, and mm-hmm. like we literally see Martha Jones do that on television. And to me, like for me, there is no better character. Like like not just like not even just like female character. Like to me, there's no better yeah. character. Like full stop. And, like, I know we have spent probably, like, three hours talking about just Doctor Who. It's okay. I'm amen cornering you over here. Yes. You just can't see me. I am I am the... And that's and that's why, like, because I, I write Doctor Who fic, and... Mm-hmm. I, like, I've and written two, sort of? Two, sort of. the crossover, so... Yeah, and, and the crossover, like, I just finished, like, the crossover yep. that I wrote last year, mm-hmm. it was Doctor Who and the Avengers, and everything that I write is, like, it's from the... It's like, well, if I write Doctor Who, I have to write it from the point of view of Martha because she is the character that I get. And and See, I fixed Donna is the the one Doctor Who right. standalone that I wrote is I changed the end of time. Yeah. 
And, well, and and I like I really didn't even get into like Martha once she goes like we once we see her on Torchwood. Yeah. Because she like she's she, her own person. She is her own person. Like she is even well, more of an ass kicker. I would say that of the companions, especially tens, she is the most independent. Because yes. even in the episode where she comes back and joins the doctor and Donna for an episode mm-hmm. in the TARDIS accidentally, she gets separated and has to once again yes. go through the worst of it on to, her own. To make it yeah, on her own, because they like, get separated. And it's not the doctor's fault they're separated and and he doesn't want her to be separated from him. It yeah. just happens. Well, and to me like it also to me like it cannot be over because like the tenth doctor put her through some yeah. truly horrendous shit. Yeah, like they get stranded in 1969, and like she has to go to work so that they can. <laughs> and that's glossed over as a joke. It's yeah. glossed over as a joke. Um, so like she has to work to like to support them, like being stranded in 1969. Um, like, like to me, like nothing the doctor could ever do could ever repay the fact that she is stuck in 1913 yep. for three months yep. working as a maid and and in 1913 like the fact that like boys in this school are being openly racist to her yeah. and like she's on her hands and knees scrubbing floors like you you can't yeah see and, and this is Okay, this is the thing that's going to sound really weird. I'm, I'm comparing the two just because we're talking about them. Yeah. Donna, after that, would have yeah. gone, and now you're taking me to a pleasure planet, and I'm going to stay there until I feel happy. Whereas well, and- Martha's like, okay, what's next? Like, what, yeah. what, do you want, what do you need me to do now? I'm here. I'll do whatever you want me to do. I, I, I think it comes out of the age thing again. Yes. Like, I think that's a well, huge and, piece of and it. That's, and, like, and that's the difference. And she like, matures so much over the course of the series. Yeah, well, and, like, to be fair. Martha does. Um... Like specifically the rate, like writing the character of Martha, Russell T Davies specifically said like he wanted somebody who was a little bit older, and so that's why Martha's about like twenty five, twenty six, mm-hmm. and Rose was nineteen. Yeah, and so like there's a marked difference, mm-hmm. like in in their maturity levels, and so like Martha never re- like she never really runs off like because like oh shenanigans like she never runs off yeah. for that reason. It's always like. There is something like life threatening and in peril, like that. Be- again, going back to that, like healer's instinct that she has, mm-hmm. you know, like she 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 has to go for it. And to me, it was a weak payoff. But when um, when the doctor and Donna are reunited in uh, the beginning of season four, mm-hmm. um, the like I like. Donna says to him, mm-hmm. you know, have, have you been, um, have you been traveling it, with someone? Yeah. Like, have, have you been on your own all this time? I was like, no, I, you know, I traveled with someone, you know, her name was Martha. And, and based on like what's been going on in the episode, like, you know, Donna kind of pauses and she says, this is Martha. She must've done you good. And he's like, yeah, yeah, she did. And, and it's, like I said, it is such a poor payoff for all of the stuff that she went, that Martha yeah. went through in season three to then just get like this, you know, this like random note of thanks yep. later. And it's like, it's, oh man, it like, it breaks me every time. Yeah. And like I said, I know I have talked for like six hours. Oh no, we're f- you're fine. We both do the same. Like, we, yeah, this is some, one of those conversations that we would have off mic. Yes, that, absolutely. That, that just goes. Yes. Um, but I guess I'll go ahead and do my next yeah. one then. Um, my next one is Claudia Donovan from warehouse 13. <laughs> I was so close to picking Claudia. Uh, and, and she's played by Allison Scaliotti. 
Scaliotti. Scaliotti. Scaliotti. Sorry, I always do that. Uh, and, okay, Warehouse 13 is, uh, oh man, it's in the same universe as the show Eureka. Mm-hmm. Which we both really love. And I almost put Joe Lupo on this list. Like, it was it was I, a difficult situation. Me too. Uh, but Claudia is everybody's little sister. But mm-hmm. the, the show is about these former Secret Service agents, Pete and Micah, and their boss, Artie, and later on in the show, Claudia, and then another guy named Steve, who go out and they essentially find supernatural-esque artifacts. Mm-hmm. Uh Usually, like, I mean, it's, it's things that would be famous, like, you know, Poe's pen and, and things of like that nature. Marilyn Monroe's hairbrush. Yeah, things um, of that nature. Yeah. And, like, there, there's a piece of, like, um, like a deck chair from the Titanic and um, Pavlov's bell. A Medici uh, comb is, like, the first yeah. episode. Like, and um, also, um, I could have told you Studio Fifty Four's ball. I mean, <laughs> yeah, the disco ball from Studio Fifty Four. Alice's mirror, mirror. like, yeah, they, they call it America's attic. Yeah, uh, I think Pete or or is it Claudia calls it America's junk drawer. Yeah, like, and like, and another like, it's the like a doorknob from uh, the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory. Yeah, and and each of these cause different things to happen. That's what I was trying to think of. Colodi's bracelet. Yeah, which is uh, Colodi is the man who wrote Pinocchio. And so, you know, so like on all of these artifacts, they have they have a special ability usually that has something to do with with what it came from. Like Alice's mirror has the spirit of a murderer named Alice in it. Mm-hmm. And things things of yeah, that and, nature. And the like the deck chair on the Titanic, like it, like the piece of wood from it, it like it has like freezing powers because yeah. The, like everybody people froze. Yeah, because people froze um, in the water. Claudia does not arrive until mm, partway through the first season. Mm-hmm. Uh, although her presence is felt earlier, you just don't know yes. it. She hacks into the warehouse because her brother has essentially been missing, uh, presumed dead, mm-hmm. for, what is it, like 13 years, 12 years? Something like that. She was and, little. Yeah, she was young, and it happened with Artie in, around, and so she's been looking for Artie ever since. Mm-hmm. She finds Artie, she kidnaps Artie, and together they rescue her brother, Josh. Mm-hmm. And then Josh moves to CERN, and Claudia has to do community service of a sort <laughs> right? to deal with the fact that she kidnapped another human being. She also spent a number of those years that her brother was missing in a mental institution because no one would believe her when she told what happened to her brother. Yep. So Claudia has, at the, and she's in her late teens by the time she shows up mm-hmm. on Warehouse 13. And she is a bright, colorful ball of energy. Yes. She she and Artie develop a father-daughter-esque relationship, mm-hmm. uh, which t- suffers Knox a few times because he lies to her a few times. Mm-hmm. It's part of his job. Yeah. Uh, but he doesn't tell her her sister is alive in the last season, and that's a huge, like... Oh, yeah. That is a big moment in their relationship where you're not sure if it's going to recover. Yeah. And it does, because Artie and her honestly love and adore each other. Yeah. And, but Artie is a grumpy old man. Oh, the grumpiest. I love Artie. Like the show is so great. Like Like, it's, it's very much found. The man has has two, Artie has two settings, grumble and shout. It's true. (laughs) And, but yeah, Claudia becomes like the resident tech guru. Mm -hmm. She upgrades the Farnsworths. She upgrades the Teslas. She invents her own items. She's the only person we ever see Mm -hmm. to really full-on invent their own items in this warehouse. Mm -hmm. Uh, She invents what they call Tesla grenades, which 
which are electrically exploding balls of energy. Like, mm-hmm. like they, they don't kill people, they just stun them. They're, they're basically like a, like a stun gun grenade. Uh, but then, and then she is basically Pete and Micah's little sister mm-hmm. for, for those, for the several, the first three seasons. Yeah. She works really closely with Pete and Micah, but she's not, she becomes a full-fledged agent, sort of, in that mm-hmm. time. Artie is still really overprotective of her, which is understandable. Of course. Uh, and she also finds out that she someday could become the caretaker of the warehouse. Mm-hmm. Which messes with her a bit for a little while, which is understandable. Like she's a teen, she's like a nineteen. She, year old she's in her early twenties at the at, by the yeah. end of the show. Yeah, she, she's like 19, 20 years old, and she finds out that she could become the like she'll be shackled to this forever, and and does a lot. It's a lot of responsibility. Yeah, and eventually Artie talks to her. He's like nobody's saying you have to do this. Nobody's saying you have to do this tomorrow. Nobody's saying you ever have to do this. Mm-hmm. Like and and ugh, just the relationship between her and Artie is mm-hmm. so good. And then when Steve Jinx joins, she gets her best friend. Yes. Her platonic life mate. <laughs> like, like Steve Steve is uh, played by Aaron Ashmore. And yes. we love our Aaron Ashmore. Yes. But their relationship from the moment they meet mm-hmm. is bantery and fun, but also, like, they begin to adore each other very quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, because you find out Jinx lost his sister, and she reminds him of his sister. Yeah. And while Claudia has her older brother, she missed a lot of time with him, and he's never around. So they have that yes. type of familial bond as well. But it's, it's yeah, it's instant. It's like there's an instant sort of like easy familiarity with mm-hmm. the two of them, and that they they sort of immediately fill in like a missing puzzle piece for the other. Yeah, and it's so it's they're so good together, and then. Middle of season four to toward end of season four, Steve gets quote unquote fired from the warehouse unbeknownst to anyone else to go undercover and try mm-hmm. to find the bad guys. Yeah. But Claudia doesn't know that. Mm-hmm. So she keeps calling him and calling him and he's shutting her out and shutting her out. Oh man. I nearly forgot about that. She's so hurt and angry at him for it. And finally she's like, stop being a douche essentially. And, mm-hmm. and then the next time she sees him, he's dead. Yeah. Because he got killed while undercover. It's it's one of the most heartbreaking scenes in all of television. And she is so angry at everybody, including Artie. Yeah. Because I don't remember. I think Artie knew. Probably. But Mrs. Frederick is the one who did it. And she is so angry at Mrs. Frederick. She's like, you owe me fixing this. You are fixing this. Yeah. Like, she wants to go back in time and change it and can't. And eventually... I think Artie helps her and she uses an artifact and mm-hmm. she brings Steve back. On yeah. a met- it's called a metronome. Yeah. Uh, and, and But she finds out, well, I don't think she actually finds out. They find out very quickly that whatever happens to Steve happens to her. Mm-hmm. And like Steve gets shot and she feels it. Mm-hmm. And, and that kind of stuff. And Steve is mortified. Yeah. Steve does not want this at all and gets off of it as soon as humanly possible. He would rather die than watch Claude go through any yeah. of the stuff. And so, so you have this, like, I mean, some, those are some of the most emotional moments in the oh, show. Oh, absolutely. Is when she brings him back, and then when they find out it could kill her, which she she literally says, like, I think I have mm-hmm. it. Let me check, because I think I have, I think I wrote the quote down. Um, maybe I, because he's a Buddhist. Steve's a Buddhist. Mm-hmm. So she'll say, maybe I ruined your karma, or put a kink in your plan to achieve enlightenment and come back as a butterfly, or whatever Buddhists do. Maybe I've upset the whole cosmos. I don't care. I would do it all again. Because that's how much she loves Steve. Yes. 
and and how much she loves her family. This is a very found family show. Mm-hmm. And Artie and she and Steve are a unit in that family. Mm-hmm. And then Pete and Micah are kind of the older siblings in that family. Yeah. But there is just something about Claudia as like, she's my, one of my favorite texts of all time. Like I love Felicity Smoker talking about her mm-hmm. earlier. I love, there's so many texts I could pull in and just say, I love this person, but Claudia does it with flair. Oh yeah. Like Claudia plays the guitar on the weekends. Like she's like this, yes. this cool person that you, that's just great. But she's also incredibly intelligent, probably the smartest person in the warehouse. Oh, no most question. Of the time. She fights for what she believes in. Like she stays in the warehouse when everybody else abandons it. Cause they have to, mm-hmm. because it's been taken over by evil Giles, <laughs> but his name's Parcellius. An- Anthony head. Yes. Yeah, Anthony head playing a character named Parcellius and winds up getting captured by him and having, t- and Oh man, he controls what she does. And it's, mm-hmm. it's another heartbreaking thing. And then by the end of the series, it does a flash forward and we see her as the caretaker mm-hmm. and she's this put together woman and she is the mysterious, she's the mysterious being to the new yes. warehouse agents. And it's so good and mm-hmm. wonderful. And I it's, love Claudia Donovan. She's a ray of I, I will like, I will say like she gets like the most character growth over, yes. over the five seasons. And yeah. fun little facts, fun little trivia for everybody. Like you mentioned out, Al- you mentioned her playing guitar. Allison Scaliotti, she is an incredible guitar player. She yes. also has an amazing voice. Yes. She is now part of a band called Nice Enough People. Their song, Hanover Hideaway, it's a bop. Like, I fucking love I, it. She sings on the show a couple of times. Oh. I, like, it is it is so enjoyable to watch this character get to grow and watch Allison get to grow yes. playing the character. Yeah, and, um, like, Al, like Al, okay, um, Allison Scaliotti is, is also, like, really, really good friends with a woman named Tidy Diskin. Yes. And, like, I follow Tybee on, um, I follow her on social media, and, uh, I follow, because Tybee, um, she's been a podcast host, like, she did another podcast with, with Travis McElroy mm-hmm. that, that is now defunct, but now the two of them have, um, have a Doctor Who fan cast called Run. Um, and so Tybee and, and Allison, uh, and Allison Scaliotti, they, like, they are super good friends. And so, like, it's a thing that, like, I do, like, on social media. They will sometimes, like, get together and just, like, Allison playing guitar and, like, the two of them singing together. And it is, like, the most, like, wonderful, ethereal, like, sent from the gods kind of songs. Yeah. And it is amazing. Like, if... If you don't give crap about like her acting or whatever, look for her music. It is gorgeous. But but yeah, Warehouse Thirteen. It's it's another show that's kind of like we've talked about with Eureka. Mm-hmm. Uh, or we haven't talked about it on here, but you've talked we've talked about it in private. It starts off really wobbly with the uh, with knowing its tone, and then yeah. it, it tonally evens out uh, fairly early in the first season. It's, but it's yeah. it is such an enjoyable show. It's such a it's such mm-hmm. a good show, like <clears throat> good people mm-hmm. type show. And and then you've also got this these amazing female characters because Claudia is only one of f- four or five yeah brilliant female characters maybe six even brilliant female mm-hmm. characters in the show yeah like I just I love the show so that, much that I is, highly recommend that it. is a thing that like I really loved about Warehouse thirteen and Eureka and like since they're set in the same universe yeah there's some crossover yeah there there's some crossover there. And that's the thing that I love about that show is that it has built a foundation of strong women. It does, yeah. 
and and like, Claudia is the one who gets shows. to learn. Claudia is the one who gets to learn from all the other strong women in her life. Yes, because she learns from Micah. She learns from Lena. She learns from Mrs. Frederick. She learns from oh man, I forgot her name. Uh, who comes in after Lena? Um, oh gosh, I the can't doctor. Remember. But yeah. she learns from every female and male in her life. Yeah. She learns from every person in her life to become one of the strongest characters yeah. that you see on the show. Period. Uh, yeah. Like, Absolutely. Oh, anyway, sorry. Oh, I love Claudia. Anyway, so who's next for you? Next for me is um, from the, not the new reboot, the uh, the original Charmed. She's on my mountain for Mitchell Bliss. I knew we were eventually going to have some crossover. Yeah. And that is Piper Halliwell played by Holly Marie Combs. Like, I will pretty much keep this one, like, pretty, like, short and succinct. Mm-hmm. The thing about like the thing about Piper is that it, she is a woman who is thrust into extraordinary circumstances and like her life is in danger every week and you know, like it, to me Piper has like the rockiest journey Mm-hmm. Through, That's fair. Yeah, through, like of of all of the sisters, she has kind of the rockiest journey, like from the pilot through the end, and and it and when it comes right down to like, don't get me wrong, it, it feel like you get it with like with Prue and with Phoebe and like and with Paige, but for Piper, family is everything. Yeah. Her entire world revolves around her family. Yep. And she, like, like early on, and, like, and it even comes up, like, you know, at various other points of, of how, like, Piper wants nothing more than a normal life with a husband and with kids and, like, having a life in this home that has been in her family for generations. Yeah. And, and that, and that is a thing that I love about the original. I have not watched the reboot. No. I got renewed. I believe. Yes, it did. Like I, I might at some point, it's just right now, the original is so close to my heart. Yeah. I, I can't like, don't be wrong. It's cheesy. And like, and it has its problems. Oh yeah. And like considering like now finding out that like the guy who was behind it, like Brad Kern, like is a terrible human being. Um, you know, part of like, you know, like all of the horrible men that we started finding out about, like starting in 2016. Yeah. Like the thing about Piper is that we see her go from, like, we see her go from, from being, you know, she, she's a chef and like a hostess, like, you know, she starts off as a hostess and then like, you know, like, like working in a kitchen because Piper loves to cook and like it she is, is a chef. She's, she is a yeah. chef. It is her passion. And, you know, and then she's a club owner, but at the same time, like she's a charmed one and she is fighting like demons and danger and like putting her life at risk all the time, you know, but you know, eventually, um, you know, but like when, or like when it comes down to it, like despite all of these things and like all of the different hats that she wears, when it comes down to it, what she wants is to be a wife and a mother. Mm-hmm. And, and to me, she was always a prime example of somebody like you can, like you can still be 
a like a phenomenal like kick-ass woman and still want mm-hmm. you know the strong and still be traditional yes exactly or want traditional yeah. yeah want want something traditional absolutely and so and yeah holly marie is amazing holly marie combs like the fact that she does not have emmys is like you and i like one of these days we're going to have like an entire episode where we just bitch about award shows and like the the politicalness we just that need to is give our own emmys to- <laughs> absolutely let's do it like, just um, do our own emmy episode yes our own oscar emmy and episode. because oh my god like because you know it's it's well known that like there were problems on the show with yeah. with with shannon doherty and, and, Alyssa Milano, yeah. and Alyssa milano and the thing like holly after all these like uh, like she Shannon, and Shannon she and Shannon are like still like super like super great friends. Yeah, and and she, um, like, but once once um Shannon left and Holly's character Piper ended up becoming the you know the oldest. She went from being the middle to the oldest sister, mm-hmm. and like it's a it's a little bit of a shift in character, you know, to being the one who is always keeping the family together, to being the one who has to be in charge. It's, you know, it's, it's a shift and like, and she struggles with it and, and she bucks against it and you oh, know, she, she's uncomfortable in this new skin. Mm-hmm. But the, and the thing about her is like, she always walked the fine line between being, being so strong and so fragile at the same time and showing the viewer that that is okay. Because like, to me, nothing is ever going to top the... Um, I think it's like episode three of season. What is it? Four? Is it season three when Prue dies? It's season three. So yeah, it's, the, it's like the first or second episode of season four. Yes, where you know, where she the, becomes is, a, the, yeah the episode yeah. Hell Hath No Fury. Yes, where I was actually going to bring that. To yeah, yeah, the episode where um, you know it's like we've had Prue's funeral and. And, and now, you know, they're dealing with, you know, the loss of one sister and finding out that they have this whole other one, this whole other sister they didn't know about. And, and, and everybody, you know, Piper is just full of rage. It's like, um, to, to use a to like to to use a quote about another character, but like one who's an honorable mention on my list, the mm-hmm. character of uh, Theo Crane in The Haunting of Hill House. Like they're talking about her, like you know, we talk about like all the dysfunctions within the Crane family, and somebody says, you know, like and Theo got, you know, God damn it, like she's basically a clenched fist with hair. That pretty much describes Piper in in Hell Hath No Fury, and I don't care. Like that, I have seen this episode like six thousand times. The like the entire episode, everybody is trying to get Piper to open up about what she's angry about, mm-hmm. and you know they talk about anger being one of the stages of grieving, and and you know and everybody think you know Phoebe thinks well okay she's obviously mad at me because I wasn't here and so it's my fault that Prue died or her husband Leo thinks that it you know she's mad at him because. I didn't get here in time to save Prue. And he healed he healed her first. And he healed her first. Yeah. And 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 all of these things. And and finally at the end of it, you know, their new little sister Paige realize, you know, takes like takes Piper to Prue's grave and tells her, like, it is okay to be mad at Prue. And having Piper pounding on 
having her pound on Prue's grave and just screaming, how dare you? How dare you leave me alone? And just finally breaking down. It is one of the most powerful scenes in all of television for me. Yeah. And, and again, like the fact that, that she, to me, she is the epitome of like a strong female character in that, like she is a badass woman. And like, she has to have, she has so many different levels of strength. Like in another like episode that breaks me every single time is when, um, when Leo leaves it, the, um, like, yeah, when, because you know, Leo is, he's essentially, you know, her husband, Leo, if you've never seen the show, he, he's a white lighter. He's a, a guardian angel for witches. Yeah. And, and in this one episode, like, you know, villains are let loose and they basically decimate the white lighter population. And so Leo, like just by the, by the purpose of being one of the only few left, he becomes, he becomes like a white lighter. He becomes like an elder. He becomes the, you know, like, like the leaders, yeah, one of the leaders just by the nature of him being one of the only few people left. And so that means he can't, he can't live with Piper and their son anymore. And, and so like, he has to leave her and, and she just refuses to accept it. And, and you'll just like her going to him, like up there, you know, where, where the white lighters are and just telling him, you know, you asked me to marry you. And I did, you wanted a family. I gave you a son and like, and now you just walk away and, and, you know, and like, and he's telling her, you know, like I have, the power to take away your pain. And, you know, she basically doesn't like, don't you dare. And, and the fact, you know, it's such a good scene because it's breaking his heart too. Cause he oh, doesn't yeah. want to do it. Oh man. I love that couple. So yeah. Much. And, okay, and like, about? yeah. And we're, we're going to talk to them, talk about them as an OTP, but just like, finally, like her breaking down because the whole thing is like, you know, she has been given the powers of an Olympian God and, and she, the other sisters have given them up and, but she will not relinquish hers. And so, and like, it's because of like all of these, all of this anger, like all this pain that she's feeling, like she finally goes and like, and confronts Leo and like, she just lets out a sob and like releases the powers. And, and, you know, and she's just telling me like, I don't know what to do without you. Like, you're like, I don't know how to do this without you, you know? And, you know, and he just basically tells her, like, you'll, like basically telling her like you, you know, you were fine before me and you will be again. And, and it is like, it is devastating. And like the layers of emotion that Holly Marie Combs has to convey, mm-hmm. like I said, it is a travesty that she is on enemies. And, and yep. it's, yeah. And it's something you and I have talked about ad nauseum and like, and most people today would probably know her better as being, um, Ella Montgomery on, on she, she's Arya's mom on Pretty Little Liars, and even on that, the like, few episodes she gets, yeah, yeah, she she has an amazing turnout, and like 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 Piper Halliwell to me is just like like I I don't I don't even have the words mm-hmm. like Piper Halliwell is like I you know I like I used to joke is like Piper Halliwell is the woman I want to be when I grow up, <laughs> like just for so many reasons just because they're. You know, like we, we talk about like every show has that character that kind of gets thrown under the bus. You know, like uh, like how many times can Criminal Minds torture Reed? I don't know, but they're going to set a record. <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> you know stuff like that. And so the like 
everything that Piper has to go through as a woman, as a witch, as as a sister, as a wife, as a mother, it is never ending. And it's like she is always going through something. And it's like she all like she starts from a place of strength. And as it goes on, like she her strength never fades like that. Like her strength she never, gets stronger. She gets stronger in some respects, but as it goes on, we see her becoming like she never loses her humanity. Mm, true, true, true. And that, like to me, like that is so important. Yeah. And I, I will never have enough words to express how much I love the character of Piper Halliwell, and like, like I would love to be able to like go to a con and just like hug Holly Marie Combs and tell her like you have no idea what your character means to me like mm-hmm. I would like I would do it in a heartbeat if I could but anyway who's who's next for you okay so the next one for me is a bit of a strange one <laughs> okay um, in that it's probably on the list because I've watched it super recently but the moment this character walked on screen I fell in love with her because I think she's amazing and brilliant and I want her to be my grandma <laughs> um it is from the show The Expanse which is based on a series of books okay by uh, James S.A. Corey, which is actually two people, one of whom was actually the assistant to George R. R. Martin. Ah. Yeah. But the book series, is it's set in space. It is, I'm in the middle-ish of the first book right now, and mm-hmm. I love the book series. But I watched all three seasons of the show with my husband recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a fourth season that they're actually making right now. It's going to have Berg Gorman in it. Uh, I fucking love Burn. Oh mm-hmm. my god. And he's in it. So I was like, I have to tell you that. But I'm going to watch um, it now. I think you'll really enjoy it. It's on Amazon. Uh, the first book does not actually contain this character, but she is in the first season. Mm-hmm. Because they're showing you the behind the scenes of what's going yeah. on. Uh, the, the character is Christian Avasarala. Chris Jen Avasarala. I'm going to screw up the name. And I apologize. I'm going to screw up the name of the actress, too. Because it's Shora Agdashlu. Okay. I have loved her since Mass Effect. She's a voice in Mass Effect. Uh, oh, whoa, whoa. is this the lady like with the super gravelly voice? Yep. Her oh, my voice God. is like insured for, like three million dollars or something. Like I, yeah. She plays Admiral Ran in Mass Effect. She was in the Lake House. She's in the Lake House. Yes, yes, she is. She's one of the other doctors. That's right. Um, she is also in uh, Star Trek. She's an mm-hmm. admiral. Oh, yeah, in yeah. The Star Trek movie, but uh, Christian, and I'm actually going to use for this. I'm going to give give credit where credit's due. Geekgirlauthority.com okay. does a woman crush of the week or whatever. Uh, Girl crush of the week. This is one of their girl crushes. So I was like, ooh, this is perfect. I don't have to think of anything to say. Um, Christian is the deputy undersecretary of executive administration in the United Nations. Mm-hmm. The world of the expanse, Earth is one nation ruled under the United Nations. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Christian is one of the highest advisors in there when it starts uh she there's already tenuous relationships between earth and mars at the beginning, at the beginning of the the show and avasarala which is what i'll probably refer to her as the rest of the time because that's her last name mm-hmm. uh senses something else at play uh she does digging on her own discovers an intricate conspiracy and basically like confronts the people and makes them like figures out that it's not actually mars doing this thing mm-hmm. I mean, she's she's a brilliant, brilliant woman. Uh, she uh, Shora is a is Iranian. Uh, I don't know for sure mm-hmm. what uh, what nationality or, or race wouldn't be nationality anymore because there's no nationalities that Christian is. But she wears saris mm-hmm. and and oh man, she there. She is the only she's character. A beautiful. Woman. She's the only character in the show that wears color. 
So she comes on screen in this beautiful purple sari. And, like, one of the first things you see with her is her playing with her grandchildren. Uh-huh. Uh, oh, and she's she's married to an actor you would know, too, and I cannot remember his name right now. But but she and her husband, she is the political figure. He is the stay-at-home dad. Mm-hmm. And they have been married for years and years. They lost their only son. Uh, he was in the military and mm-hmm. died. And so they kind of raised his grand, his son. And mm-hmm. so she has this grandson that they raised. She has a couple of grandkids. And, like, the first thing you see with her is her chasing her grandkids around the mm-hmm. house, having fun. And, like, a helicopter lands, and she goes into work mode. Yeah. Straightens her back. Like, and, and, oh, just... Oh, the moment she did that, I was just like, I don't know who this woman is, but she's amazing. Like, <laughs> I'm here for this. Um, but yeah, so she, uh, she winds up, uh, where'd it go? She winds up confronting the people behind the, behind a, a sort of, how do you say it? Um, contrived war between Earth and Mars. Like mm-hmm. they're trying to set them up against each other, uh, which is Jules Pierre Mao, played by Francois Chow. Because... Francois Chow is in everything. Uh, and her boss, Sadavir Ehrenreich. Uh, Mao and Ehrenreich, like I said, the catalyst. She confronts Ehrenreich for his collusion because he was actually doing it because he thought it was the right thing to do for Earth. Mm-hmm. And she always says Earth first. She actually gets someone she loves. Like, like, there's a man that in like the first season, uh, she's trying to figure out what's going on with Mars and figure out the whole thing. She, the um, ambassador from Earth to Mars, is a very good friend of her family. Her family is a political dynasty. Mm-hmm. And her, he's a very good friend of her family. He's known her like he played cards with her father. Like that's that's yeah. how long he's known her. And so she she tells him a lie. She tells him about something like she she heard that something was stolen from Mars or whatever. Essentially, and he ends up calling Mars and being like, "You need to check your stealth stuff and make sure that's all still in the right spot." Mm-hmm. And she follows she follows the trail and is able to figure out where all their stealth places are. Mm-hmm. And I mean, really she's doing it to, to figure out that they didn't do what they said they did or what is being said they did, but it gets, it makes him lose his job. And he and his husband were getting ready to retire to Mars and start a vineyard. Like they had like a year or two left. And then you find out, or she finds out he committed suicide. Only he didn't. He was murdered by Aaron, right? And she finds that out too. Oh, and she's lucky he doesn't just wind up a smear on the wall when that finds out. But but she finds out like all this stuff, and and but she winds up. She goes to see his husband to get. Essentially, she's actually sneaking in to get information, right? But she goes to see him to and also to apologize because she did not intend for that to happen. But Earth Earth comes first. Mm-hmm. She sends her husband and grandchildren away toward the end of season one because there is she, she because of the possibility of war she sends them to the luna base on on the moon and she stays on earth and she winds up in like the second season uh she ends up helping a mar like a girl from mars named bobby uh who winds up switching sides because she finds out Mars was using her mm-hmm. and got her entire squad killed a mars marine got her entire squad killed essentially is a weapons demonstration. Mm-hmm. She naturally, Bobby is mad. And so Bobby asks for sanctuary in the United Nations because they're on earth at the time. So it's yeah. like this beautiful, this awesome scene of her running from the Mars, uh, uh, embassy on earth across the line to the UN embassy mm-hmm. and going, I, I asked for sanctuary kind of thing. Oh, so good. Yeah. Or political asylum. And Christian immediately, Avasarala immediately push, pulls her under her wing. Cause she'd always sensed there was more to the story. And, right. And, Eventually, like, she goes to meet with Mao uh, off-world, and 
and Mao double crosses her and is trying to kill her. And Bobby, Bobby and her, her amazing bodyguard, who is um, just, if you ever watch the show, the bodyguard is like, <laughs> the bodyguard and Bobby's banter and her banter with the bodyguard are, he's actually a spy, but he becomes her bodyguard, are, it's, it's all the money just everywhere. It's, it's amazing. But she, and she is one small, teeny tiny cog in the story. Yeah. Because the main story is about totally other people. And there's an awesome woman out there over there, and I'm Naomi Nagata, who's amazing, and mm-hmm. I love Naomi too. But Christian, like, she exposes what she has to expose. She winds up escaping, she winds up hooking up with the main characters, and exposing this large conspiracy for what it is. Mm-hmm. And when she does that, she winds up becoming the head of the United Nations. Ooh by the third season. Like it, it doesn't say that for sure in the show, but she's, I mean, it's heavily implied mm-hmm. that she is now leading the United Nations because she's able to like out that the guy tried to kill her. Uh, and it all happened right under the, the nose of the prime minister of the mm-hmm. United Nations, whatever it is. I forget what he's, his thing is. Uh, what's her name? plays Juliet from lost is in that season. Too. Oh, Elizabeth Mitchell. She's in that season too. And she's brilliant. I'm glad you love that. Um, you, 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 I think you would really enjoy the show, but, but yeah, Christian is like, I'm going to use the geek girl thing again. Cause it's so helpful. Um, she is the real deal. She's not your stereotypical politician. She's compassionate. She truly cares about the people of the system and attempts to pre- prevent war from escalating. She exposed, uh, her boss for the snake. He was outing him as a traitor. Uh, but why she matters. This is what I think is really important. Uh, Avasarala doesn't take shit from anyone. Not to mention she's unfiltered and bold. You don't need to worry about what she's thinking because she'll tell you. She has some of the best lines in The Expanse. Uh, Maybe not t-shirt worthy because they're all loaded with expletives. Uh, But she's also a fighter in every sense of the word. She has a sharp sharp intellect. Uh, She wielded a weapon at one point when she was under attack. She's withstood immense high G pressure while fleeing a scene and was still quipping while it was happening. Mm -hmm. Um, but the best thing is she's an exemplary role model for women from all walks of life. I mean, the actress, the, the, the actress, I think is 70 or the character is like, like the character is 70 years old mm-hmm. doing all this. Like this is the oldest person on my list, but she still kicks so much butt. Yeah. Like she, she ends up when she hooks up with the, with the Rocinante, which is the, the main character's ship. They walk on board and they're just like, uh, you're the deputy minister of, or you're the deputy of whatever. And she's like, this is getting tedious. Cause like the fifth person who said it right. to her, and she's like, this is tedious. We need to do this thing right now. But, uh, cause actually she says it to, um, Killjoys. Uh, oh man, what is his name? They, what they call him the mouth, whatever. It doesn't matter. The, the point being she like, she's working with him to, she's a Martian and she's working with him to try to prevent war by getting him to pass a message to his superiors. Cause he's a peon in the Martian army. Yeah. That, Ross and Auntie happen to rescue. Like she's, she sees the political situation and tilts it wherever she can, not for her advantage, but for the advantage of her, everyone and her planet, especially, mm-hmm. but also for everyone. She shows us that as a woman, you don't have to choose a career over family. You could have both. She possesses an unyielding determination that most of society would deem as stubbornness. However, we don't like those people and they should take a seat. She's incredibly smart and will surely inspire young girls to pursue positions in government so they too can bring positive change. They too can save a system from war and bring traitors to justice. We could all use a dose of Avasarala in our life. And like, she's a woman of color, she's an older woman, and she gets it done. Mm-hmm. Like, it's the same reason I chose Margot in a lot of ways. Because they get it done, man. Like, the, oh, I just, I, I love her. The show is amazing, though. Like, watch The Expanse on Amazon. It's on Amazon Prime now. Yeah. So 
good. Like, oh, and I'm a sci-fi nut, and I love this show. I'm well aware that you're a sci-fi nut. Because I find that when it comes to watching it, not always as reading it, so it's really weird. Yeah, I definitely don't read a lot of sci-fi. Yeah, I don't. Um, this is the first time I've read it. But I will go from one sci-fi show to another and say that my, uh, my next uh, character is the character of Dutch from Killjoys. Um, also, it, her Dutch is a nickname because she is a... Because the character of Dutch, played by Hannah John Cammon, who people might know from either Ready Player One or from um, she's she's the ghost in uh, Ant Man and the Wasp. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, her character's name is technically uh, Yelena Yardine, but um, but she goes by Dutch. She she goes by Dutch, which I love when we finally got the backstory on why she's called Dutch um, because. Because uh, the the thing the thing to know about Dutch is that she has two very important men in her life, the Jacobis, Johnny and Davin, and the but the uh, the way that I describe this show to people is that you have a badass warrior, princess, assassin, mm-hmm. woman of color with. With her two pretty boys who fight stuff, yeah. Like one, uh, the way you know the the way that I the way that I told somebody is like you know like it's a, um, you know it's 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 a badass warrior woman and her two her two pretty boy sidekicks. One is smart and the other beats stuff up a lot. It's like that's Dav, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and they're brothers, yes, and yeah. The, so it's, there's Johnny, this, Johnny yeah. and Davin are brothers, and. Johnny is Dutch's absolute best friend in the world. Yep. And Davin ends up like becoming like really important to her and, and they like, they become lovers mm-hmm. and, and everything. And, um, the, because literally like Dutch was trained from the time that she was a small child was trained to be an assassin. And she was assassinating people when she was like ten. Yep. Like she had a she had a man named Klein in her life who there there's some like sci fi shenanigan things and like you find out that Klein is kind of her father, kind of her grandfather, kind of her grandfather. It's very confusing. It's, it's not as like incestuous as it sounds. No. Basically, what it is is that there is essentially like an alternate plane where. Like, you can, like, look into it, and, like, this plane is used for, like, storing memories, but finally, like, one day, like, Klein's daughter, Anila, reaches into this plane and pulls out her younger self. Yeah. And so, like, which is a thing that nobody had ever been able to do before. And so she pulls out her younger self, and she takes... Because because Anila is Anila goes crazy mm-hmm. and and she and, and like and you know Klein is her father and um you know Klein is her father and like and things just she goes insane and and like darkly insane yes and and destroy the universe just, yeah destroy the universe insane like her father keeps her like locked in a 
prison basically. And, and so she reaches into this other plane and pulls out, you know, the child version of herself, like, because she goes into her own memories and finds, you know, finds a younger version of herself and pulls her out of this plane and then is able to break out of her prison. And she takes the young version of herself to Klein. And he's like, you know, basically like, why did you do this? And she's like, it's like, basically saying like to give you another chance mm-hmm. and like, but because she is so, because Anila is so powerful and so crazy, um, Klein spends all of his time teaching it. She, Anila essentially renames her younger self, Yelena after her mother. Mm-hmm. And so and so she, so you have two characters, like they are basically the same person. They find out that like Dutch and Anila, like they look exactly alike as you'd expect. They, they, you know, they have the same, they have similar abilities. The only difference is like their DNA spirals in different directions. It's like they are mirrors of one <laughs> another. And so, um, but you know, from, from the time that, that, that she is brought to him, Klein spends all of his time teaching Yelena how to like how to be an assassin because he knows there's going to come a day when she will have to like when he he assumes she's going to have to take down Anila and and the thing about Killjoys is that and I'm like going to give some spoilers here is that it is so the story is so tightly woven and I went into it thinking okay it's it's just a fun, like, sci-fi show. Mm-hmm. But by the time the end of the first season, like, my mind was blown. Yeah. When, when, when that shot, when the camera pulls away and you see, like, the red 17 on the, like, on the mm-hmm. side of that silo and you're just like, holy shit! Because they've been dropping hints about it for the whole season and you didn't yeah. realize it. It's in the freaking opening titles. Yeah. And you don't put it together until then. Yeah, it's just... <gasps> Like, yeah, it's insane. And like, and you know, and every season gets crazier. It does. And, and the fact that like the, um, like, Oh, I'm like, I'm stammering and stuttering because like, it's just hard to put into words what, um, like it's hard. Like it's hard to just like put into words, like what kind of character Dutch is, but you know, she, like she was, you know, she grew up like in a harem and like, and being, being, um, being raised to be an assassin. And, and she, um, because of like, you know, from Klein's like ministrations and everything, she is given as a bride to a, you know, to a prince and like, he's killed on like their wedding day. And she ends up, like like fleeing and like getting on her ship and there's a would-be thief Johnny Jacoby and like yeah he's there he's there to steal her ship and they end up kind of like running some cons together and like nothing works out for them really and then you know then they come to they come to the quad uh you know Mm -hmm. the planetary system they come to the quad and they um and you know they come to the quad and to you know to to these to these planets and um and are able like to start making a life and like they essentially become sci-fi bounty hunters yeah and and like they're going after people and and when when we 
meet them first on the show, it's like they, they're like super successful. You know, she's like the highest rank bounty hunter you can be. Mm-hmm. He's a couple of levels below her. And, um, and then like, and through, through shenanigans, they end up bringing his brother Davin on board and like Davin joins their team. Mm-hmm. And, man, and, I remember what was that simple. Whew. Oh, I know, man. And, like, I'm not going to get into it because it's it's just a thing that like you kind of have to see, but the the story is too complex to explain. Yeah, it's yeah, it really is. It's like someday when we try to explain Fringe, it's going to be difficult. Very. Um, and there, um, <laughs> I was trying to, because I um I was reading an article of like uh sci-fi fangirls put together a list of like you know greatest all time you know greatest of all time like you know female characters and stuff and they had people like um like ripley from the alien movies Mm -hmm. and you know like moana and just this huge list of characters and and i got to it somebody was talking about zoe washburn from 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 firefly and i thought about putting zoe on my list but Dutch in some ways feels like a modern, like updated version of Zoe, mm-hmm. a little more ruthless, a little more cutthroat. Yeah. It, just by nature of her being an assassin and not a soldier. Yeah. And like, but they're, they're and Dutch is her own captain. Yes. D- Dutch is absolutely her own captain. Um, and the, um, like the, the sci-fi fangirls article, um, you know, talking about Zoe, there were a couple of lines in here that was like, it kind of made me think of Dutch too, is that, um, you know, talking about like she, she embodies everything that we love about women in genre, you know, fiercely committed to her cause and those that she loves. She's a no nonsense, uh, her no nonsense nature doesn't preclude her from heart, soul, and humor. And and that is a thing about Killjoys. Oh my god, the snark. The levels of snark and like sarcasm. It's so high. And it's like it, it like I don't know, like it's I don't want to just like reduce her to just being this, you know, like badass warrior woman. Because like she is more. And and like like I, I will like a thing that I love about the show being like so sex positive, like which is like it's becoming like more and more, you know, the status quo. Yeah, I'm like, but you know, like the you know, like Dutch, Dutch has you know quite a few lovers, mm-hmm. and like it's never treated. You know, there's no slut shaming. Mm-hmm. There's no. You know, and she she knows how to use her wiles to get what she wants. Mm-hmm. Like, um, like the um, oh my gosh, not not crash, not not the, not the old town. Like, what is the other? I always forget that one too. Oh my gosh, it's where it's where they make the hawk. Yeah, I know, I know what yeah. you're talking about, but no, I don't. Know. But yeah, like her, like her, it's like. Uh, like her seducing that one guy and then like kicking his ass, like it it always cracks me up because she she and Johnny go off to this other planet to like basically like go undercover and she she's like the highborn like she their undercover or their their covers are you know that she's this you know highborn like noble lady and um, Johnny ends up working like all sweaty out in the fields. Yep. He's like, why do you get to be the noble? <laughs> She's like, because Dutch can carry it off better than you can. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but she she's just a very like complex character and and as as the show has gone on and like they're now like fighting a war mm-hmm. and and so she's had she's had to become a general and she has had to to make not necessarily like hard decisions but like like you know it's like basically like let like there's a guy like sacrificing himself um Pippin Mm-hmm. That's the name. Yes, <laughs> I kept thinking Kip, and I'm like, no, that's not it. It's but they call him Pip. Yeah, yeah. Pip is also yeah. a guest star on the Expanse. Yeah, uh, actually, Pip and uh, and his girlfriend. Oh, Zev. Zev. In the same yeah. episode, they, they're in the same Martian field unit on the Expanse. Anyway, that's amazing. I I, I died. <laughs> but you know, like then, like people are getting you know mad. Like she she lets him sacrifice himself because like they have to have like they have to blow up a ship. Mm-hmm. And like they were gonna do it remotely, and now they can't. That is so heartbreaking. It is, and so and then like Zeph is mad at her because you know it because like you know, like I think you know everybody says you know like Dutch will bring you home, mm-hmm. and and but Dutch can't because by this point Dutch is a general to an army. Yep, and and you know, and it's it's not just her and Johnny on on the ship anymore. Like they aren't just collecting bounties; they are. They are trying to save the quad. They're trying to save the quad, and 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 taking down nigh unstoppable like villains, and and having to deal every day with like with new complications and and new trials and tribulations that you know that they never expected, and through all of it. You know, she still manages to like, despite that everything changes, like, and everybody grows, and and everybody things happen, and and all of the characters grow and, and change. Um, the like, she still holds her family so close. Mm-hmm. You know, like her family being, you know, Johnny and Davin and and Zeph and Pre, and oh my God, Pre, I like I could do an entire podcast on how much I love Pre Mendez. Oh yep. my God. Right there with you. Oh my god, he's such a <gasps> sassy motherfucker, Poor and I love him. And Gary. Oh my I god, can't even. we can't talk about it because I'll get it. No, nope. dude, nope. like depending on how this last season goes, Pre and Garrett might end up on my list, which is understandable. Yeah, um, but yeah, like it's like she is somebody like who fights, like she, she, she fights for what's right, even when it's not like in her she, best interest. She fights for what's right. She fights for she fights for her family. She fights. Go ahead. Well, I was gonna say the the thing, another thing about her, like because we talked about Anila, you talked about Anila a little bit. Mm-hmm. Anila winds up not being bad, sort of. Yeah, it's it's complicated. She risks her life to go save Anila when it is so much better for her to not. Mm-hmm. But Anila is now family. Yes, Anila is her sister. She has to go save Anila, even though Anila has caused a great amount of pain in her mm-hmm. life. She has to go save Anila. Well, and she has to kill, watch Klein kill himself, basically. Yes, she ha- like, she has so much she has to watch happen. And then when she can finally be reactive, she doesn't let, she doesn't want to let anyone mm-hmm. go that she can save. And like, she's so morally like mm-hmm. upright for someone you wouldn't expect her to be. Yeah. She is. Yeah. That, that's, that's a very good way of putting it. And just from, it was a, she's also like, everything I wish I could be in life. But oh that's yeah. Fine. She, <laughs> Oh my god, um, uh, she like when uh, like this was a show I had wanted to watch, 
it just wasn't available like mm-hmm. for streaming anywhere. And then you and Josh got the first season. And I would take it. Take yeah. It yeah. Yeah. I'd like, I was over here like just hanging out and I like, I was getting ready to leave and you went, wait. And you shoved the DVD case in my hand. You're like, watch it. And so the next day, you know, I'm just like putting around and I'm like, I'm doing laundry and stuff. And I thought I put it in and I thought, okay, like I'm just going to have this on in the background. Like, No, like I immediately just like sat down and like three episodes in, I'm like, okay. And like, I immediately ordered season two. The world building is so phenomenal. The the world building is incredible. I mean, we're going into the last season of the show. It'll be out this summer, I believe. Yeah. And like, if you can watch it, I would watch it. Mm -hmm. Like if you liked Firefly, I would say this is down your alley, but better. That's right. It's better than Firefly. That's right. It's been said here. Yes. (laughs) Agreed. Um, so who's, who is last on your list? Okay. So this is a hard one. Cause I have two left on my list. Cause, mm-hmm. cause one of them on my list was Dutch. So yes. I skipped her. Um, so I have two left. I think I'm going to go with Jessica Jones. She is an honorable mention for me. Uh, Jessica Jones played by Christian Ritter from the Netflix series, Jessica Jones. Jones and the defenders. Um, superpowered woman who essentially has to deal with the fact that her rapist was a mind control guy Mm -hmm. and she was stuck with him for a year Mm -hmm. and uh, it played by David Tennant in one of his most creepy roles ever. Okay. The thing that people don't realize about David Tennant is that the man can be terrifying. Oh, and he is. Kilgrave is probably one of the scariest villains in the Marvel universe for me. Between. Oh, he's definitely the scariest villain in the Marvel universe. I I think he is. I I don't want to say that and then be proved wrong. I think he is like at, at the at at time point, of recording, yeah. he is the scariest, and he like. Well, I haven't watched like The Punisher and stuff like that, so yeah, I don't know either. if there's someone. More but, terrifying, but he, um, I will say, Mariah Stokes, she's like she's scary on a different level. A different level. <laughs> oh man, do you know how hard it is not to put shades and her on my? OG oh my god, list? dude! Because like they're horrible, like they're. In, awful. In, like, in some oh. respects, that is so fucked up, but I get it. Right? Like, I love them. Anyway, sorry. Um, but David Tennant ha- has a capacity to play so fucking creepy. Yeah. Like, the, if you can find it, there's a... I don't know if it was a movie or if it was just, like, a short, like, uh, series, but it's called Secret, Secret Smile. Smile. I knew you were going there. Yes. Bro. Okay. Oh. Okay. I am a woman who has grown up on a steady diet oh. of horror... And I got Secret Smile from Netflix DVD. Mm-hmm. Like, this was, like, before I ever moved over here. I remember, because you told yes. me about it. I think I and, have it somewhere. And, like, what what I did, because I was planning to, you know, like, lay in bed and, and just watch this movie. But, like, I didn't have a lamp, because, like, I just didn't have room for it. Yeah. And so, I was like, okay, why not? I'm just going to turn off the lights. Watching David Tennant play this role at some point, like, I got so fucking creeped out, I got out of bed and went and turned the light on. Because I could not handle it. And again, I am a woman, I will watch, like, a lineup of horror movies from sunup to sunset. But he creeped me out so much, I felt uncomfortable in my own skin in the dark. And, and as Kilgrave, he, his superpower is he has the ability to make you do whatever he wants you to do. Yeah, and it's and and he does that to Jessica because he witnesses Jessica save somebody, and so he sees her strength because mm-hmm. she's she is super strong. Like that's yes, that's basically her superpower. She has super strength, and she's actually the strongest of the defenders. Yes, because you have Luke Cage who is unbreakable, but she is 
breakable. <laughs> she breaks him. Like, so I can describe it. But um, it, he makes her kill someone mm-hmm. and that somehow frees her because the, the thing with killed the thing with Kilgrave's power is that his power is like it's it's a form of mind control but what he does is that he convinces you that what he's telling you is that what you want to do like yes. you want to do this thing that he's telling yes. you and when he tells her to kill this woman Deep down, she does not want to do it. Yeah. And so that is what breaks it. Is After that she kills the woman. Yeah. yeah. It's like she does it, but like she didn't want to. Yeah. And so for whatever reason, that's the thing that frees her. And she then goes on to become a hard drinking, hard hitting PI. Yeah. Emphasis on the drinking. Oh my God. Um, Jessica, if there, if she walks in a room, there has to be a bottle there. Like there's, that's all there is to it. She is the noirist of noir detectives. Oh my like, god. Yeah. Like, she, she's always drinking um, because of her trauma. Like, that's mm-hmm. a big piece of it. Her yeah. her trauma, and really the first season is about dealing with trauma. And, oh, and, yeah, yeah. The, and the first season has so much to say about consent the, and rape culture. The second season is good. I'm not really going to touch on it as much, but this, I enjoy the second season, but it's nothing on the first season. The first season... The, because the, the second season, it's more about family trauma. Well, and it's about her... The second season is about her learning to live again after moving on. Yeah. And also accepting the fact that, that what Kilgrave did is always going to be part of her. Yeah. Because by the end of the first season, she gets to kill him. Like, mm-hmm. I, spoilers. I don't care. The moment... Like, like, I'll get there. Hang on. So, yeah, she was a hard-hitting, hard-drinking P.I. She winds up becoming lovers with the man whose wife she killed, knowingly. Mm-hmm. Like, she knows that is who he is, but he's also Luke Cage. So, you know, don't mm-hmm. don't really blame her. My Coulter is a good-looking man. I would not hesitate to climb that mountain. Sweet Christmas. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> but, um... But yeah, so he, so she has this whole relation with him that is super complicated, mm-hmm. and it's so like everything about Jessica is complicated. Her her mm-hmm. relationship with her pseudo adopted sister Trish mm-hmm. is so complicated, and it becomes so much more complicated by the end of season two. Like oh, yeah. by the end of season two, that relationship is non-existent. Yeah, because of everything it's that so, happens, it's fractured. And and there's even an episode of season two that has Kilgrave return and be in her head, which is what I mean by she'll always have to yes. live with him. And, but like the moment at the end of season one, when, cause he thinks he's gotten control of her again mm-hmm. and he orders her to smile, which is the, the mm-hmm. like, he always tells her to smile and it's, Oh, it's that thing as a woman that makes you want to punch somebody in the face. Oh yeah. Just and, people, specifically men, but people in general yeah. just telling you like, Oh, you'd be so much prettier if you smile. Well, and I'm guilty of doing that too, of telling people to smile and be happy. And, and I'm guilty of it too, but he tells her to smile and she looks at Trish and tells Trish, I love you and breaks his neck. Yeah. And because there's no way you can keep someone like that in jail. No, there, there's literally no way to do so. Mm-hmm. And, and so, yeah, she kills him. It is deemed like she, uh, Carrie Ann Moss helps her get away with it. And mm-hmm. and that's that's where you kill her story should end. But then you have season two and like the stuff with her mother. She thought her mother was dead. She's not. It's a whole thing. But Jessica, through all of it, is beginning to move on with her life. Mm-hmm. She gets a love interest that isn't complicated. Yeah. Not, not really. I, I love the super and his son. Oh, I do too. And it like it comes about because his son is curious about her because she's she's one of the defenders and 
And do you know Captain America? Yeah, and like there's, <laughs> they have this like she's this really good rapport with him, and and the super. It's complicated in that he is a criminal, mm-hmm. or, or not criminal anymore. He's he a, has a record. He has a record. He is still he's a forger. He's still forging things, but they they wind up at the end of it coming together. But she's lost everything else in her life. Yeah. And so I'm really interested to see where season three is going to go. Same season. Um, before Netflix cancels it. It's no, it's not Netflix. It's not Netflix's fault. It is Disney getting its own streaming service. No, but Netflix canceled it essentially because they don't want to pay for it anymore. So yeah, it's both yeah. Disney. Marvel is not making them cancel it. It's a, it's a Netflix decision. But anyway, it doesn't really matter. Point being this season three will be the last season of Jessica Jones for at least two years. Uh, after two years, we may get it back. We'll have to see what Disney decides to do with it. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's in the contract, but where it left off, she doesn't have her sister anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, her assistant left. Yep. And she, but but we for the first time see Jessica happy. Mm-hmm. She's having dinner with her boyfriend and his son, and it's just uncomplicatedly happy. Mm-hmm. And I it like even if we weren't getting a season three, for that to be the final image of yeah. season two is one of my favorite things. Mm-hmm. The fact that that is one of the last things, that's the last thing we see with Jessica in season two. I don't know if there's like an after credits or whatever. I don't remember either. But that's the last thing we see with Jessica is her, and I don't remember his name, but the super. I don't either. Being happy. Like she can move on and Kilgrave is not going to rule her entire life anymore. Right. Because he did before. Mm-hmm. Like, the first episode of season one, she's, you, she's flashing to him. Even though he's not there, he's always there. She, Yeah, it, like, it's very clear from from the beginning. It's that because of Kilgrave, like, she has post-traumatic stress. Yeah. And so now she's finally... She's still... Not, not everything is solved, and her life isn't no. perfect. But she is able to accept a little bit of happiness mm-hmm. in her life. And I, I, as a character, Jessica is difficult and complicated and that is amazing and i love it but that's also the fact that she's moving on mm-hmm. at the end of the day for me is oh man it just elevates her even higher the, the thing the thing about jessica and like the reason that i that i put her on my list and like made her an honorable mention is that everything about her is so messy yeah jessica jones is a walking garbage fire <laughs> that's that's a fair statement <laughs> like she, and honestly she wasn't on my list at first it was a going back and looking at my list and being like who am i who am i yeah. missing because there's someone i'm missing mm-hmm. and it actually it's afternoon that it was jessica yeah because i actually i kicked several people off this afternoon that i love yeah but i was like yeah no i'm not even gonna put them as honorable mention because i love them but this isn't the place but jessica is a thing that every girl every girl should know how to deal with things just like like yeah you don't want to have to don't be wrong right but but seeing a woman with that kind of strength not and i'm not talking about her physical strength although that is awesome mm-hmm. the strength that she has to not bow mm-hmm. she has been bent down but she is not broken or rather she, everyone's broken but her pieces uh, you know everybody's broken the, I think. yeah it's the thing about jessica is that like she is absolutely broken but she's not she, gonna let it stop her yeah it's like she she is broken into so many pieces mm-hmm. but that doesn't stop her from still doing the things that she knows well, like, that she has to do. And, 
you you were using the word you know complicated like i don't mean it in a bad no, way no, 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 no. that's i i wasn't gonna, okay like, i just making no. sure <laughs> no i was gonna say but like another word to use with the character of jessica jones and to be fair is like most of the characters specifically on the show jessica jones is that is that it that there's a complexity yeah well and i think jessica is a show about recovery yeah and and because you have you know you have her you have her assistant who is mm-hmm. a recovering uh, drug addict mm-hmm. you have Trish who hopefully will become a recovering drug addict <laughs> right I mean you have all of these characters who are in some level of trying to recover something about themselves mm-hmm. and Jessica is to watch her go through that process I remember us sitting here just holding hands and crying while we watched the yeah. show because it, it the first season is just so powerful. It really I is. I mean, it won a Peabody for a reason. Yeah, and and Jessica is a amazing character. Agreed. And and the thing that I love about her is that is that she is wholeheartedly somebody who does not have their shit together. Yeah. It like you know like <laughs> like she never like she she plugs in her phone but it's not plugged into the wall. And she's got, (laughs) like, she, she has enough, you know, like, she has enough, like, empty whiskey bottles to, like, open and off license. Like, she... There's just a hole in her wall where she got into a fight. Yeah, (laughs) it's like, her, her office is in complete disrepair. Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, it's basically, like, you, I can't remember if it, or, like, if this is just, like, I'm, like, I'm headcanoning this, but it's, like... Like, it's basically, like, everything that she owns, like, there, there's holes and tears, and it's, like, it, yeah. feels like, it feels like her wardrobe is held together by duct tape. Except for, like, a leather jacket, because yeah. I think she takes care of that. And, yeah. you know, like, she, like, she is just a person who, do, like, like, her life is very messy, and... Well, she's still trying and, to figure out so much about herself. She pushes yeah. people away. And, and that's what it's, like, I, I absolutely love, like, it is so refreshing to me, like, to see... To see, like, a complex female character, like, at, like, like, or, like, at this level of complexity of Jessica Jones, Mm -hmm. that, like, it is mind-boggling to me to have that. And the fact that, like, she is this complex of a character, and she absolutely, like, does not have her shit together. Yeah. Like, normally, like, that type of character, like, who, like, with that, with the level of complexity that we have for her, is somebody, like, reserved for, like, the Jerry Hogarth-type characters. Like, somebody, like... Oh, Jerry don't got nothing together. Well, like, you know, when we first see her... That's true. ...of, you know, like, the... Like the very powerful, high-priced attorney with you know the fancy apartment, and you know who maybe has like a little bit of like a dark secret, and and that's what we would normally get. But the fact that you know that that Jessica is um, above everything else is that she's a survivor in so many like senses of the word, and and to see, but like, and that's it's fine that she doesn't have everything put together, and like that to me like sends such a message that mm-hmm. like. You do not have to have your life together. Yep. And I agree. like, and it's, um, so was that, that was your last one. That was one. my last one. My, I, I don't know how we do it. It's just simpatico, my friend. Because, because my last one is also a Marvel character. Okay. And I'm cheating slightly because technically she appeared in the Marvel Cinematic Universe first. I intentionally didn't put this person on my list because I knew you would. Yeah. And the person I'm talking about is Peggy Carter. Peggy Carter's amazing. And I, from the, um, from the, uh, the sci-fi fangirls article that I was talking about before, they 
Peggy Carter was on the list and what they had to say was, how can you summarize the amazingness of Peggy Carter in one paragraph? Peggy, uh, Peggy is one of the most badass women of the, uh, sorry, one of the most badass women of Marvel without even having a superpower. In Agent Carter, she was kicking ass at work for the Strategic Scientific Reserve while simultaneously fighting the patriarchy in the 1940s. She was smart enough to earn the admiration of genius Howard Stark and strong enough to keep up with Captain America. Mm -hmm. But uh, not only could Peggy hang out with the biggest heroes in comics, but she was also able to use her smarts to take down some of the baddest of the bad. Peggy used assumptions and preconceived notions about women to her advantage against her enemies, showing them exactly how much better she was than most of the men. In the huge, interconnected Marvel world, Peggy Carter is one character that made a significant impact on the very fabric of the universe. I agree. Agent Carter is a phenomenal show that did not get enough love. Oh, I 100% like, agree. And I'm going to, for two seconds, tout her male lead in that show, Enver, doesn't get enough love. Mm-hmm. Like, he, oh, I love him. Because he's a dis- his character is disabled. disabled. And so you have a woman and a disabled man as your lead characters in a 1940 show. Like, it's brilliant. Yes. Anyway, sorry. Oh, no, no, I'm absolutely right there with you. <sighs> and Chad Michael Murray, but... <laughs> <laughs> what? But, then, like, but Chad Michael Murray playing, like, the stereotypical, like, white alpha male. Who also has, like, a PTSD thing that he keeps hidden. Yeah. Because you, you, anyway, like the, like so the show, like it's it's the Peggy, fin- yeah. Agent Carter is phenomenal on so many levels, and the like the things that like we learn about Peggy is like yes, like in in the like Captain America: The First Avenger, it's like she, it's like she's like the only woman we see. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Other than uh, at the very beginning, we get uh, the, the, the two dance. girls that Bucky's with. Which one of them but is uh, uh, Gemma? Gemma, yeah. yeah, Jenna Coleman. Yep, and. The, the, the we um I like I really thought about putting some like the uh some of the the female leads from uh Agents of Shield on here. Because they're all amazing. Because they're all amazing. I thought about I thought about Daisy. I thought about Melinda. I thought about Melinda May. I thought about Melinda May's one that got got moved yeah. on mentioned last minute. Yeah. And, and and I thought about um I thought about Gemma Simmons. And but to me you don't get any of these characters without first having Peggy Carter. Agreed. And it's, it's basically like to, like to use like, like a turn of phrase that Patton Oswalt used in one of his standup specials is that, you know, basically it's like she laid like Peggy Carter laid down on the barbed wire. So the others could step across. Yeah. Is, and she, she's a character who endlessly fascinates me. And she, like, like, okay, I, I have, like, currently, like, sitting in my lap right now, I have my cell phone, and I have, it is a Marvel Comics uh, uh, cover, cover on it, and, you know, like, with Captain America and Spider-Man and, and Doctor Strange and Fantastic Four and all of this, and it's, and, you know, like, it's, it's a typical comic book kind of, kind of case, but the lock screen on my phone is Peggy Carter because like I love her and I want to be like her. Like mm-hmm. the when in at the end of season one, you know, when when Daniel is telling her like how you know, like basically telling her like you're worth, you know, ten of these guys and and telling her, you know, like how how can you put up with like the degradation? And, and she, you know, she, and she just tells him, like, I know my value. 
Mm-hmm. And like, she knows exactly who she is. She knows her worth. She knows what she knows what she has to offer to any given situation. Mm-hmm. And, and the fact that, that she can like that. She's brilliant enough to keep up with characters like Howard Stark. Mm-hmm. And it, like the fact that Howard never even thinks about like Howard never thinks of her as a lesser person, that she is always his equal. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that, that, that Daniel never looks like the, you know, Daniel, oh, yeah, Daniel never saw Daniel her. Sees her. Yeah. Daniel never sees her because that, that is the way that she is treated throughout a lot of this as by the men. Yep. Yeah. By the men of agent Carter, like within, within the show is she is treated as, as subhuman because she's a woman. Yeah. It, it's like not just because she's a woman, but also specifically because she is a woman in a man's world. Yes. And like in the boys club, that is the SSR. And, and it's, you know, she's, she, she's a little more on equal footing in Captain America, the first Avenger. Um, but, but if you watch the, the agent Carter one shot, she's not. Yeah. If you watch the agent Carter one shot, it's, it's a whole different thing. And, and it's, but I, I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that during Captain America, like it's a time of war. Mm-hmm. And so rules are a little bit different, you know, and we find out through agent Carter, like she worked at Bletchley circle and, and so like she, she was a spy, she was a code breaker. She, she did all of these things and was able to do them because everybody underestimated her because she was a woman mm-hmm. and, and just, I could say so much about like Haley Atwell as a performer. Mm-hmm. Like I think she does an excellent job. Um, and she, you know, she gets defined by her relationship with, you know, with Steve Rogers and, but which, you know, which, which obviously like that's the case. Um, like because of how she's introduced, but she isn't, she isn't just a love interest. Mm-mm. Like she has so much more to offer. And, and also by the end of season, by the end of season one of agent Carter, she lets Steve go. She still loves him. But- she's, she still loves him. And as we see in, in the winter soldier, mm-hmm. um, because, you know, we have him, we have Steve, they're talking to an older Peggy mm-hmm. and, and the conversation that they have, like, you know, that like she never gave up loving him, but in the, you know, in the video that we see of her in the Smithsonian is that, you know, realizing that Steve was always going to hold a special place in her life. Yes. And that, you know, and like she says in the video, you know, that, you know, that Steve saved like a troop and like, and it turned, you know, like her husband was one of those men. Which is why when an agent Carter, Daniel Sousa brings up the fact that she, that Duke, Captain America saved his troop. I was like, yes. So like, I don't remember that actually happening. Yeah. Yeah. He says it in season one. Okay. He I talks will. about being, he talks about being rescued. I think by Cap. Yeah. He, he himself personally wasn't, but the troop he was with. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm going like, to have to go back. I have to, I'd have to rewatch it, but I think yeah. that happens. But um, it, so it's like she, you know, she still holds on to Steve and like, because, and like she, um, you know, like she, cause she, in, in the video that he watches is like, she, she's saying something about how, you know, like even, you know, even after he was gone, Steve, you know, still had an impact on my life or something to that effect. And so like, there's always going to be something special, but like you know, she had to move on and like, she couldn't just 
sit in that grief and in that loss. She didn't want to just be Captain America's girlfriend. Yeah. Um, and, and ultimately, without her, I mean, not obviously for real, for real, but without her in the show, like, in her place in the universe, without her, mm-hmm. there is no S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, that's There is no Avengers. There yeah. is no, yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to... No, 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 no yeah. it's fine. It's totally fine. Um, but yeah, I... I when when I was making up my list, she was the first person at the top, just because. Um, and I like I kind of wish that like our friend Anne was here because I know like she could describe all of this so much more eloquently than me because like Peggy Carter is one of her favorite characters ever. Yeah, and um, it's like I know she would like have much more to say, <laughs> but I the like once like Peggy Carter is like once again like one of those characters that I look at and I'm like that's who I want to be. Yeah. I think that's been the, the thing on our list mostly. Yeah. Jessica Jones, not so much. I don't really want to be Jessica <laughs> Jones. I, I I admire her, but I don't want to be her at all. Yeah. But yeah, like that's been a thing for a lot of our lists. It's people mm-hmm. that we admire because we want yeah. to be like them or have that core strength to them. Yes. Um, so who, who are some of your, okay. Some of your, your mentions. All right. So I have eight. I'll just mm-hmm. blow through them pretty quickly. Um, the one I, the one I actually had written about, uh, was Parker, who's on the show Leverage, but mm-hmm. and she's played by Beth Reese Graff. Mm-hmm. Um, Cordelia Chase, played by Charisma Carpenter from Buffy, mm-hmm. the Buffy universe and Angel. Cause we didn't even hit the Buffy universe. Yeah. I really kind of thought that we would have like Buffy as, as one of our. I did too. And neither of us did. And yeah. I love Buffy. I just did not put her on this list. I like, I um, do have a note about Buffy that I will read here in a second because Buffy is one of my honorable mentions, but okay. if you want to go ahead and um, yours. But yeah, Cordy from, from Angel and, mm-hmm. and Buffy. Mostly Angel. Yeah. Uh, Aaron's son from Farscape, played by Claudia Black. I mm-hmm. love Aaron. She's, oh, she's just such a strong mm-hmm. character. Uh, Piper is one of my honorable yeah. mentions. Uh, Olivia Dunham from Fringe. She was this close to being on mine. Uh, sh- yeah, that was a tough one for me. Uh, <laughs> Zoe Washburn. Mm-hmm. From from Firefly, uh, and the two I added while we were sitting here talking because I realized I had forgotten them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sarah Manning from Orphan Black, and really I would say every woman on Orphan Black because um, they are all Tatiana all but Mizzani. all but a couple of them are Tatiana Maslany. <laughs> uh, Orphan Black is talk about women power on a show and 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 all the positivity of everything mm-hmm. in the world. Uh, Orphan Black, so good. Uh, and then finally, the last one is Helen Magnus from the show Sanctuary, mm-hmm. played by Amanda Tapping, who I've expressed my love for already. You've already heard me express my love for her on the Sam Jack episode. But but Sanctuary is such a different show, and I just, for like two seconds, uh, it's a show about a immortal woman who br- takes in monsters. Yeah. And sort of rehabilitates them. She was married to Jack the Ripper and stopped him. Woof. Yeah. It, like, it, and he's still alive in present day. Like, Yeah. He's a teleporter. Is she? Well, she's. Th- they all took this thing, and so they're all immortal. But like, she stops him whenever she can. But yeah, it, it is such an interesting, intricate mm-hmm. thing. It's her. It's right. Man, tapping. Robin Dunn. Uh, Christopher Heyerdahl. It's just super interesting, and you should look into it. Uh, the CGI is really crappy, uh, but it was based on a web series. So yeah. But yeah, it's just you should look into that show too mm-hmm. for another really powerful woman. Yeah. But um. I, for mine, I, th- I, I really thought about Penelope Alvarez, um, from one day at a time, but since I've already talked about her as an OTP, I decided not to, um, I, I also had Jessica Jones, um, on my list. I have the character of Miranda from the, from, B- Miranda. from, from the BBC sitcom, or not BBC, um, the British sitcom Miranda, 
Um, I men- briefly mentioned Theo Crane from uh, from The Haunting of Hill House. Um, I have the character of Alicia Phillips from uh, Law and Order UK, but I thought, mm, do I? Mm, I really want to include two characters, both played by Freema Adjaman, but the but the thing that I will say about Alicia Phillips is that she she is like a great sort of um, assistant, like crown prosecutor. Like she, you know, she is like a uh, like tough, like not like tough as nail, but like is she she's another like one of these strong female characters, and like she gets sexually assaulted by her gynecologist and then he rapes her and and it's a through line through like a couple of series of the show of like how she's affected by it and and like it oh, frame is amazing um and like i mentioned felicity smoke uh mm-hmm. from arrow melinda may from agents of shield um and um one that randomly occurred to me this afternoon dorothy spornak from golden girls yeah played by b arthur because I thought about it and but I thought about the more that I thought about it like I do love her character so much but I think like my love of the character also is slightly shaded by by the fact that like just be, be is slightly shaded by um the shadow of B. Arthur mm-hmm. and the fact that she was a like staunch like supportive ally for the LGBT community mm-hmm. And, like, I was like, mm, okay, I'm trying, I can't quite separate Dorothy from B here, See, so. I would say you could just put all the Golden Girls on that list, and I'm on Yes, with it. absolutely. I love the Golden um, Girls. And then I had, um, and then I had Joyce Byers from Stranger Things. Um, oh, that, oh, I thought of the other one that I should put on the list. Grace <laughs> and Frankie from Grace and Frankie. Yes, yes, That's yes. That's the other, like, bonus. I, I thought about them, too, but I was like, I don't have... We don't have... I, the, I don't have the words to describe them. I don't, I don't have the words to describe it, but also, I've been sick this week, and I was like, I do not have the emotional or mental energy to try to, like, like... Like, to try to tame that like tempest in a yeah. teacup, um, but I will add Buffy. because we had, we had both talked about Buffy. This was from the um, from the the Sci-Fi Fan Girls article. Uh, this segment by Courtney Enlow, who is a podcaster I love and adore. You should look into her, um, and she writes a lot of great stuff for Sci-Fi Fan Girls. She said, "Obviously, Buffy Summers is strong and powerful, but not merely because of her powers." Buffy didn't choose the Slayer life; the Slayer life chose her. But it's what she did with her calling that makes her so spectacular. Through her efforts to have some semblance of of normal teenage life, from dropping out of school to act as a single parent to her sister Dawn following the devastating loss of their mother, to literally giving her life and sacrificing herself for that sister and all of humanity, Buffy's true strength was in her selflessness and vulnerability. Her body was fierce, but her heart was breakable. She did what she had to do, never because she wanted to, but because it was right. She saved the world. A lot. And we're all grateful. Yeah, and I mean, one of the reasons I didn't do Buffy is I think Buffy is obvious which sounds really weird no um, it's it's like, true all the things we've talked about um if you're interested in any of them or you're interested in seeing strong women i think everything we've talked about has that in it like so yes. so heavy and and so it does stem from buffy some of it's dated mm-hmm. and there are problems with it there there absolutely are problems with it and and like there like as much as i love it there um like <laughs> Like some of the problems are a little harder to swallow now, like mm-hmm. in this day and age, and and the, and the fact, you know, and and the fact of 
um, like the that the show's creator is so problematic in this day and age. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, like I I am not a like I am not a Joss Whedon like apologist. Like I'm not here to, um, you know, like to 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 clear away his sins. Nothing like that. I'm like, but like, I'm also not here to, to trash the man. He's Um, done some good work. He's done some bad work. He's done some bad things. I I saw it very succinctly put on Tumblr and that one, like explaining the reason why, despite the fact that like Joss is problematic and that there are problems with the work, why Buffy is so important to so many people, like, especially like women our age. Mm -hmm. And it's that, that Joss was like he gave us something like that that we were craving, like something that we were desperate for. That was basically like basically that that we were like in a desert, and he gave us water, like with this kind of character. And and when it was it was the only thing of its type, and like it was the only thing we could get. Like we had no choice but to fall in love with it. Like, just, you know, despite, like, the flaws. And and the way that somebody put it on Tumblr was that, and, like, using the example of, like, you know, like the thing about, like, Joss Whedon and also, like, referencing J.K. Rowling of, like, they are, like, a specific type of late 90s, early 2000s form of being woke that, that was revolutionary for the time. Yeah. But now just isn't enough. Now they both had a little too much of their own Kool-Aid, if you ask me. A little bit. Like, but like it's just, like, now it, at, at, like, in this day and age and, like, at this point in time, like, in 2019, it it's not enough. And, like, that they haven't grown. Yeah. And that is something, like, I will definitely say about Joss Whedon. Yeah. I'm like, dude. <laughs> like, well, and, and I think, because, like, I, I said Cordy on, was on my honorable missions list. Cordy minus season four is on my honorable mentions list. Yes. Because what's done in season four is stupid. If you've watched Angel, it's stupid. I'm sorry. It's, yeah, it If is. you love that plot line, I have to, like, I, I'm sorry. I, I just can't. Yeah. And, but yeah, like, there are some problematic things, but overall, they, he gave us so many strong women that, I'm not saying he, he should be forgiven for anything. Yeah, like, again, but, like, like not, I, not trying well, to absolve the man. Well, and I've, I've come to a place because there's a lot of stuff I like that now is everything is problematic. I feel like everything I've ever liked, I have to reexamine, which is really difficult. Cause like some things I really love and, and like, cause like the, the show Glee, one of my favorite characters, I feel like I'm not supposed to like him anymore, but it's the character. It's not the actor. It's not even now looking at Buffy. Buffy is so much more than Joss. Yes. And like Harry Potter is so much more than JK Rowling. Yeah. And, and I think I'm, I think I'm trying to look at things from that perspective now mm-hmm. so that I can enjoy things that I love yeah, without and, feeling like I should feel guilty for it. If that makes sense. Because yeah. like, like Buffy. It's, yeah. Well, and, and the thing is like, we you, like me specifically, but like us as like podcast, like I'm never like expecting somebody to like, you know, I'm never criticizing anybody for loving a thing, but it's you know, like, it's um just asking to like be, cognizant and yes. like not not necessarily to like don't just don't just blindly absorb like consume media and and it, like yeah like there's so many things that like you know that i that i loved as a kid that are problematic now and and even like things from like you know six seven years ago that i loved that are insanely problematic now but 
and, and that's, you know, that wasn't the point of this podcast and no, I didn't mean no. for us to get on a whole <laughs> rabbit trail about, about Joss Whedon. But I, I just wanted to say like, you know, don't, you know, like, I'm like, I'm the reason that Buffy didn't make my top five, even though Buffy was, was pivotal and like foundational and, and like groundbreaking for the time and and is and like and still holds like a special place in like you know the, the hierarchy of of female characters. Um, like it's you know that doesn't mean that you know that, that there aren't problems, but like the, even though there are problems, that doesn't mean that there isn't still value. True, which is what I was saying. Yes, but do you have anything else to add, darling? No, that's it for me. I have nothing else to add either. So that will get it for this episode of Catch Buddies. We and hope you like the special yes, episode. We, uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll probably have some more of these. But since you know it was, we saw International Women's Day was coming up. We we wanted to do something to honor that. Well, and any excuse to talk about my favorite TV characters has me on board. So oh yeah, same so. here. So. <laughs> Um, that will get it for this episode of Couch Buddies. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and uh, we will catch you next time. Bye. Bye! If you enjoyed this episode of Couch Buddies, why not leave us a rating and review over on iTunes? And while you're at it, don't forget to hit the subscribe button on your podcast app so you never miss an episode. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can find us by searching on social media. We're Couch Buddies Pod on Facebook and Twitter, on Tumblr at couchbuddies.tumblr.com, and you can email us at couchbuddiespod at gmail.com.